You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit WorldAfropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. This is WorldAfropedia.com. Every day seems to bring more accusations of sexual harassment and assault against Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein. We wanted to hear your stories about harassment in the workplace. My name is Barbara Chapita. Hi, this is Chris Amak. My name is Romella Williams from Buffalo, New York. I'm calling about my workplace unsuccessfully dealing with sexual harassment. I was a reporter at a small newspaper. I was harassed by my editor. One of my faculty members was harassing the female students. When I called him on it, my contract was terminated. I wish that I'd come forward and spoken up. At least another woman might not have been grabbed if I'd spoken up on my own. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. We're going to hear now from another caller, a young woman who asked us not to use her name for fear of professional retribution. I am in my first year of graduate school in a clinical psychology PhD program. But about a year and a half ago, she was working as a clinical research coordinator at a hospital. The incident she called in about wasn't an assault on the spectrum of sexual harassment. It wasn't at the high end, but it made her really uncomfortable. What happened was a cleaning staff member said a derogatory comment to me in Spanish. And because I am an Asian American woman, I don't think he expected me to understand what comment he had made. Do you mind telling us what it was that he said? Oh, no. He, he said that I had a great ass. It was just strange to hear in a workplace environment. And it immediately made me very self-conscious of what I was wearing and kind of just the ways that I carry myself. Did you say anything to him in English or in Spanish? Well, I was holding a fork, so I kind of shook it at him. <laughs> I was like, hey. And then I just walked away. She told a coworker and her lab manager about it, but decided she didn't want to pursue a complaint with HR. 
She explains it this way. Her job at the hospital was short-term, a stop on the way to graduate school. But for the custodian, that job was probably his livelihood. She didn't want him to lose his job. So you decided not to report it, but ultimately it did end up with HR, right? Yeah, so my coworker and I came in the next day um, only to find out that the lab manager had already reported it to HR. And what did you think about that? I felt betrayed. I had newly started at this job and she looped my boss in as well. Um, so things that were at stake for me when I found that out were, you know, I'm a new employee here. I'm hoping to get a stellar recommendation to start my career as a potential future psychologist. And now my boss knows. And what implications might that have for any future career goals? She had to talk to HR, but they determined that since it was a first offense, the custodian would only get a warning. But what happened was a few weeks later, I had noticed that he was on my floor specifically right outside our office every day instead of three times a week. Wow. So he was there more than he had been before. Yeah. And so my perception of it, even though I doubt that this is what went into it, but my perception was like, oh, this feels punitive just for reporting something. Punitive to you, not to him. Yeah. And so that was a bummer because I was there for the next year and a half and it changed the way that I trusted the system and it changed the way that, you know, if I saw him cleaning outside, I would just go all the way around to a different floor and use the bathroom there or, you know, just walk different halls. So you changed your behavior because he was around more often. I did. So the specific outfit I was wearing was, it was like a knee length dress with a cardigan and tights and boots. Um, I just never wore that again. And I didn't wear any form fitting clothes after that. You never wore it again to work because he had commented about you in it. Yeah. And I guess where I'm coming from is like, okay, if the system isn't going to help me, what can I do to help myself? And this is what I have control over, um, is how I dress and ways in which I present myself. She says the whole experience left her with lingering questions about how harassment claims are handled at work. I guess it's like, oh, so if it was his second time, would you have done that? Was, did it take his third time? Does he have to grab me or does something bigger have to happen? Like when you start setting these scales and these thresholds, I think it gets really tricky in terms of understanding what actions to take. You work in a different place now. Um, If you were to be the target of sexual harassment in the workplace, do you think you would feel comfortable reporting it now? Honestly, no. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Which is a shame. Um, But I feel like here things are even more high stakes. If we think about what happened back at my old institution, that was a cleaning service worker. Thinking of the people here, it's like foremost researchers in the fields I want to be in. It's professors. It's people who have a lot of power. If anything were to happen here, I wouldn't feel safe to report anything unless I could assure my own career safety, I guess. Well, that's a real bind, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really tough to kind of confront the systems within which we work right now. 70% of employees who experience harassment in the workplace never even report internally. They never even go to a supervisor. 
Kai Feldblum is a commissioner at the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. She listened to the conversation we just heard and says that's typical. Most people don't want to report harassment because they're afraid of retaliation, and not without reason. Based on the research, people who did report, almost 50% of them experienced some form of retaliation. That's horrific. If in a workplace, other employees see that someone who complained was retaliated against, that is a surefire way to make sure that others will not report. If you think about the the culture that allows sexual harassment to flourish, do you, stepping back, think that that culture can be changed? I have to believe the culture can be changed because that's the reason I get up in the morning and try to do this work. <laughs> yeah. So the first step is what's happening right now, getting out to listeners that this is a problem and they don't have to suffer this. But then we have to change the culture. Anyone who thinks changing the culture is easy has never tried to change culture. Mm-hmm. So given how difficult a challenge that is, what are steps that employers could take to try to change the culture? The first is leadership. It's actually telling employees we do not tolerate harassment in this workplace. And then having employees believe what they say. Leaders say a lot of things. It's about demonstrating authenticity. And you demonstrate authenticity by your actions. Having a good policy, having an investigation system that takes people seriously, holding people accountable. The harassers, holding them accountable. The managers and supervisors who hear about harassment, holding them accountable if they didn't respond appropriately. What about if it's a company that doesn't have a traditional HR department, might not be bringing in the the sexual harassment trainers? Maybe it's a small business or a restaurant or a farm with seasonal workers. Um, How do you handle that? That's why it's so important for employers to know that individual supervisors, first-line supervisors, need to be trained about what to do. Our training tries to convey that supervisors should see a complaint as a gift. A supervisor is going to have a tendency when he or she hears a complaint of harassment to say, oh, no, I can't believe I have to deal with this. Mm -hmm. Instead, they have to realize that this gives them a chance to stop something before it gets worse. When you think about the conversation happening now because of the the allegations against Harvey Weinstein, as painful as these stories have been to to hear and to read, is there are you seeing a a silver lining in that that this conversation is happening now and there is much more scrutiny now being drawn to this issue? People have often asked me whether I think this is a tipping point, and I say we need two tipping points. The first tipping point is coming out about the issue and making people feel a sense of urgency in fixing it. The second tipping point is getting the majority of employers putting in place strategically ways to change their workplace culture and then doing something about it collectively. Hi, Feldblum is commissioner with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Thanks so much for coming in. It's been a delight. Thank you context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Thursday, 
October 26th, 2017. So I have been told this is our Thursday weekly broadcast on workplace racism. For folks out there, if we have black entrepreneurs, you are quote unquote self-employed. That has improved your workplace situation as it relates to whites in the workplace or even non-white people. Uh, Would certainly be great uh, to hear how that has changed, improved your workplace situation. If we have uh, non-white workers, black workers, even if you're not self-employed, if you have figured out some techniques to help minimize your workplace abuse, make sure you get all of your promotions on time, get all of your raises. You are never, ever subjected to unwanted touching, sexual harassment, lewd remarks, great office. You get your time off when requested. No issues at all. You got a great office and are just hanging out until you get ready to to transfer and go enjoy your retirement. You need to be the first person to dial in with suggestions, tips so that other non-white people can get to that glorious position. Uh, The number 641-715-3640. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star six if you would like to participate. Number again, 641-715-3640. The code 564-943-POUND. Pound, press star six one if you would like to participate. Again, tell folks this is not a broadcast for spectators. It's Thursday again. It's autumn. I think Scandal is back. All the other great Thursday night, How to Get Away with Murder. All the other great Thursday night entertainment is back. Uh, You can be enjoying. This is not a broadcast for folks uh, to tune in and just be amused for a little while with the troubles and tribulations that black people experience on the job. This is for folks who are trying to come up with, or if you already have some solutions, some strategies that work great, share so you can help out some other non-white people. Or if you're having problems to try to brainstorm, figure some strategies uh, to end some of the abuse uh, assaults that you're experiencing in the workplace. Certainly we're always open uh, for folks to dial in if you're having problems, uh, if you would like a suggestion or just to get a different perspective, what other people think about how you might go about dealing with your situation. Certainly dial in, let us know what you're dealing with, and we'll try and offer uh, whatever suggestions, counter-racist suggestions we might have. Uh, before I get to some of uh, the things that people wrote in and get to the callers, the audio clip that we heard at the beginning there's been lots of that, probably more even since we've come on the air in terms of different reports and the whole Me Too campaign and talking about uh, Harvey Weinstein, sexual abuse in the workplace. Uh, that's dominated uh, much of the mainstream reporting for a couple of weeks now. I've said this before. These type of incidents have been uh, beginning more attention over the last year and a half or so. Anybody and we have had a litany of people over the years dial in and talk about being sexually harassed in the workplace, males and females, anybody, if you are experiencing anything, uh, and I mean comments, cause we have had, you know, the whole spectrum, uh, comments, 
touching, hugging. We've had a lot of that. People uh, coming up, white women and white men coming up and, and uh, demanding hugs or sneaking hugs, that sort of thing. Any sort of molesting, touching in the workplace that you're dealing with, if you're experiencing any of that, I would certainly take advantage of this right now. And you don't even have to snitch on anyone directly. I think I've given this as a suggestion before. Uh, if you are feeling uncomfortable, somebody saying something or whatever the case is, you can just bring it up in a meeting and be, hey, you know, given all the recent commentary around all this lewd activity in the workplace, do you think, and you can address it to everyone or your direct manager in the meeting in front of everyone, do you think it would be helpful for us to have a refresher just to make sure that everyone knows what's acceptable in the workplace and what to do if they have concerns or if they hear something and they want to report it to someone? You think that would be constructive and just see what they say. And uh, at least in my opinion, I think just saying that sort of thing in a serious manner where you've not accused anyone, you've not called out anybody, just trying to see if we need any training, any assistance to make sure we don't have those type of problems here. Uh, I think just saying that publicly, I think it sends up a signal that, oh, OK, this person is serious. Uh, it might be a little bit more of a hassle trying to abuse this person. We might want to focus on someone else with that sort of, uh, that type of mistreatment. Just saying that sort of thing publicly might be enough to get people to think twice about abusing you in that manner. Just a suggestion. Uh, other things uh, from the clip that we started with specifically, I thought that were important. They said that uh, the female caller that they were speaking with at first was an Asian female. And she said that she did not want to... <coughs> Excuse me. She said she didn't want to report the male who made the comment about her rear end. She didn't want to report him. Uh, she said, I think they said he was, quote unquote, Spanish speaker. Uh, she said this was a temporary job for her. She was moving through her career, moving upwards in her career. She thought he might just be this might be his full time job that he's going to be in uh, doing custodial work. So she didn't want to report him. But she told two of her colleagues and they did go ahead and report. And that's something that I've talked about here uh, consistently in terms of you cannot assume I wouldn't care if it's another black person. I wouldn't care if you work with uh, exclusively black people. You cannot assume that you have confidentiality speaking with anybody in the workplace. And that's whether you're talking to them on the job or after hours. You just cannot assume that. Uh, and this is yet another illustration. And it might not even be something where you tell somebody something, oh, this happened. And, you know, I just I'm just sharing this with you. this is not something that I want recorded. I'm not trying to make a formal report or I'm not trying to request an investigation. I'm just sharing a little gossip about what I've experienced during my day. And they might not go and take this to H.R., but they might share this with other people just as a part of the workplace gossip. I've said this before that whites spend a lot of time talking, networking, swapping notes about black people. Uh, it might just be something where they go and tell everybody this. And so now this is a nut just in our dossier of information that we know about the non-white people on the job. I would be very leery about that. Keep that in mind. And in my opinion, especially if it's some sort of uh, conflict you had a problem with somebody else there, think you might have been mistreated. I especially would not want that to be something that you're just sharing with other people that you work with. I also thought from the clip she was talking about specifically where she said, hey, I don't think I want to tell on this person. Uh, you know, it wasn't cool. I'm going to figure out my own code in terms of what I wear or trying to minimize being around this person. But I don't want to report 
uh, this individual sounds like it could have been a non-white person. I think we've had that discussion before on this program. Also, do you want to report if it's a non-white person, if it's another black person who has mistreated you? That's when you kind of have to come come up on your own conclusions in terms of how you deal with things on the job. I certainly respect anyone who says I just do not accept mistreatment, period. I don't care who it comes from. Mistreatment is mistreatment. I certainly can understand, respect the logic of that, as well as people who say that, you know, I try to uh, minimize black people uh, being, you know, subjected to any sort of punitive action on the job and see if I can just deal with it uh, internally to, to squash the problem between myself and the person. I certainly can respect that approach as well. Uh, that said, some of the and as always, folks can write in. You can email if you have a situation problem that you want to get addressed and you just aren't able or don't want to call in via the phone line. You can drop an email until justice at Gmail dot com until justice at gmail.com and we can read whatever your report is anonymously. We can share it online if you want to get feedback or if you just have commentary on what you've heard uh, from folks on the line. Uh, that's it. Uh, we had a few folks who wrote in uh, who had commentary to share. I'll try and sprinkle these in as we go. Uh, first person wrote in. I'm a black male uh, who has listened to and applied some of the codified tips at the workplace. I'm the only black non-white person in the business development sales team at work. Tips that have worked for me in regards to being in this seat is making sure I know my job, apply all efforts that are asked of me, and make sure that I'm engaged in meetings as a thought leader. In the past, I've been very quiet because of my instinct of not trusting whites. However, in the system of racism, white supremacy, being quiet is seen as not being a thought leader or team player. So it is important that blacks do the below. So he has this list of bullet points. Number one, ask good open-ended questions that you don't understand. Trying to gain information. Two, make sure you understand the expectations of your role. Number three, find whites in executive roles who can leverage, who you can leverage to improve role stress. Number four, make sure you take notes that can be used for future conversations. Big fan of documentation. Number five, make sure to speak moderately so you are not accused of being non-friendly. Number six, always look for ways to outperform whites in metrics that you are being graded on. Last, if possible, caution. Have another victim of racism that you can speak with regarding your issues. He had caution written in parentheses. That was not Gus T uh, editorializing or inserting terms. Uh, and I just talked about that before. That is certainly one. It, I might even add, he, he, VGQ, we all have him. It might even be best to develop a non-white source to speak with about workplace racism who you don't work with. If you have a partner, if you have a sibling, if you have a parent or another family member, if you have, you know, a neighbor, uh, somebody, just a pal, whatever it is, it might be best to develop somebody that you actually do not work with. Uh, certainly, if you have people that you work with and you have a rapport, you know, the person you all, you know, however you built the trust that you have. Great. But I know for a lot of us, I can even speak for myself. I know I've been in a lot of different work situations where there were black people there, but I didn't know them <laughs> like that. They weren't. It's not like we went to high school together or anything. So it's my first time meeting them. I suspect there might be other people in that position. 
Anyway, uh, with his uh, third suggestion, find whites in an executive, find whites in executive roles so you can leverage to improve your role stress. Uh, I just asked for explanation on that one because I couldn't explain. I thought if somebody asked me uh, for detail about what that means exactly, I would struggle. So I asked him to explain. He gave detail. What I mean by find whites in executive roles so you can leverage to improve role stress are as follows. My conclusion is that all whites are racist because we live in a system of racism, white supremacy. So for me, I go past the suspected notion. However, to answer the question, we as victims of racism have to go have to go to have to go through whites in the workplace because they control the playing field. So blacks need to leverage whites in order to move the direction we're trying to go. I took the initiative of having a meeting with a white director, a good white person, wink, wink, on my job who is responsible for the creation of my role. Nonetheless, it was an opportunity to ask questions about the future roles in the company and learn what they're looking for. So I allowed so I allowed the white director to do most of the talking while asking open ended questions. One of my questions was, what would you like to see this role develop into in the next three years? So as many cocky whites love to do is answer questions about control. So this is what I mean by leveraging whites in higher seats to move your progress. I caution to be prepared and make sure your work metrics are up to par. I assume they will check to see how you are performing by practicing these methods. It has allowed me to get promotions and pay increases. Always great to get a few extra nickels on the job. I do think that great suggestion uh, in terms of leveraging or just trying to network so that you have uh, resources in your work environment that you can go to. You can get more information where you're learning about the company information that you can exactly as he stated. You can use this information. Uh, this can help me in terms of my own goals. If I'm looking to stay here for, you know, five years, whatever it is, can help me. I can move right on up, increase my pay, boom, 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 and go right on with the company because I know exactly uh, what they're looking for and how they're looking for my role to develop or whatever other new projects they're trying to get into. All that new information that you can access, use it, use it, use it. See if you can develop and find other sources on the job. Just learning about the company. I think Mr. Fuller even talked about that some years back. You might mess around and find out they you know have five other branches uh in a town near some place that you would like to move uh hey easy opportunity for a transfer just lots of things by cultivating sources and finding other folks where you get great information about what's happening in your work environment and again stress to folks hey if you have figured out some things that work well like the caller here this is what I've been able to do to get a few extra nickels and move on up, get my promotions. You should be one of the first folks uh, to call in and or codify suggestions and write in because we desperately uh, need more suggestions, more ideas that will help out in the workplace. Uh, other things folks have written in. Uh, we had a different caller. Uh, he says, it's not exactly my workplace, but it's where I practice martial arts and the only place other than the supermarket where I get any direct contact with suspected white supremacists. A suspected white racist that I beat in the finals of a martial arts tournament invited me to his academy since I was looking to join one. I, I visit, end up signing up. My third practice, he came up and said, tried to find you on Facebook. When I did, I thought, oh my God, I hope he doesn't hate all white people all in quotes. I smilingly asked him directly and loudly enough for any other suspected white racist to hear, what exactly do you want to talk about 
on my Facebook page. The deceptive white racist didn't answer. Unfortunately, I didn't stay on code and stay right there with the question until he answered. Instead, he started with a let me tell you about me and began to contrast himself from other white racists. Typical. In quotes, I grew up in in a north in the north in a diverse community. It was like here in the south, blah blah blah. I actually let him talk, didn't interrupt him for about five minutes, and then I simply asked him what is white. At that he literally closed his mouth shut. A suspected white racist who was listening tried to pick up the conversation with, well, my point is, and I stopped him and informed him that I had never asked for his point, and nor was he qualified to give it, until he could answer the question, what is white? He was a little stunned. The other white racist was still not speaking. The second one finally said, the color of my skin. At that at that, I announced to both of them, this is what I do not like, the hypocrisy and dishonesty of white racism, and I believe you're practicing it now. The anxiety I feel, you all know you feel it. That's white racism, your collusion and silent collaboration. I think it's time for you guys to know that we understand now that when you ask when you ask questions about white racism and you give buckets and buckets of words and say nothing and end and end up coming with lies like what is the color of my skin it's how you practice white racism i'll stop there i didn't really uh encourage folks to stay in the question lane uh that would be my recommendation even if you are in the workplace not in the workplace as opposed to a lot of speechifying especially in the workplace if you feel if you're assessing you know how you did uh, on the job you were having a conversation with white people about something, if you ended up having to do a lot of talking and talking and talking and talking and are not asking questions, I would generally say that might be something that you would want to really check right, exactly what was I doing all this talking for. If you're doing in conversation with whites, there should be more questions than statements, especially in the workplace. That's it. Since the social media came up here, I will use this time to again remind folks if you're in a workplace situation, white people that you work with they are for sure doing the same thing that we heard from the person who wrote in here. They are looking for your social media posts. What were you talking about? What links are you sharing? That sort of thing. Be very mindful of that. I would strongly discourage any of our listeners, any victims of white supremacy from having a social media page that is under your name so that folks can just easily go and look at whatever name you use that people know you by on your job. Having that be your social media handle. Uh, even if you had nothing, if you never posted about racism, white supremacy, politics, nothing. If all of your photos are, you know, cats getting baths video or, you know, dog videos, just the most innocuous thing you could. Th even then I wouldn't want it because I don't want them going through looking at pictures and photos. You might have some summer vacation photos on there from years back. That would just be my recommendation. I suspect it's going to be more of this. this is something that we've talked about a lot. Really be mindful of that for the folks if you're out there actively engaged on your social media account. Uh, with that, we will get to folks who dialed in. Number again, 641-715-3640 and the code 564-943-POUND. Press star six if you would like to participate. Uh, if we have any folks who have used this opportunity to bring up 
unwanted touching, any form of quote unquote sexual harassment in the workplace, or if any folks on their job, they've responded to all of this by having an update, a refresher course on sexual harassment and what to do about all this, how this is supposed to be reported. I would be super interested in hearing uh, anything related to that. And if you asked any questions in said meeting, that would be great too. Uh, But if not, if folks have their own situations on the job that they would like to share or tips, suggestions, uh, folks who dialed in with a hand up, line should be open. Proceed. Folks are not being slow this week. I was a little slow uh, with my fingers getting the lines open. Now, folks with a hand up. Greetings. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, greetings to you, Gus, to the other callers and listeners. Um, I was listening to the – I missed the very beginning, but I was listening to the um, the person who wrote in, the last person who wrote in, and uh, I love what you were discussing in regards to the social media from what I'm seeing over the last few years, it seems like they're fine-tuning um, people's inability to use false names and stuff from what I've just you know, heard because I'm no longer on social network, hasn't been. Um, the only one I'm on is BTR Community. Outside of that, I haven't been on Facebook since 2007. But this is just stuff that I've been reading about. And, and um, what, it, what I think would add even more um, concern to social media behavior is with the entire black identity extremist thing. Um, beyond just the regular, your, your job looking for your information, um, you have all of the different federal agencies that collude and troll uh, Facebook in these places. And what I see happening is eventually they're going to use artificial intelligence and they're going to have catchphrases um, catch whatever catchphrases there are that relate to racism, white supremacy, anything that they deem anti-white, anything that they deem anti-system, where they'll get these alerts. And I just, just knowing how white people function, I could see if you come up on an alert for one of those agencies, they then finding out your personal information and potentially informing your job or people on your job that you have this person on the job that we consider a black identity extremist and it might come, they might come at you from an angle with which you can't do anything because you have this official government agency who, who's informing them of what they may have missed when they hired you. So I'm just thinking to be preemptive, the best thing is to just do as little as possible because you have to remember that when you're on social media, it is a form of, um, of data mining. And they do quite a bit of um, uh, uh, psycho, psychoanalysis on people on social media. So the more you post, the more they're able to come up with a dossier where they understand better what you do, how you do it, what you think, and basically the probability of how you will react to any given situation. And these are all the different parameters that would generate um, further scrutiny from these agencies, which would potentially trickle down to your job. Just don't underestimate what they're doing because the artificial intelligence is that powerful and it's going to get nothing but more powerful as time progresses. So be very, very, I think, limited about what you do online. Even when you, you know, no matter how it seemingly, like Gus said, seemingly, seemingly innocuous your behavior might be, when you are black specifically, 
you're going to be scrutinized in a way that nobody else online is scrutinized. So be very, very careful about that because I see that being the next thing. One of the main reasons is because now they're starting to propagate um, artificial intelligence that can predict criminal behavior. This is something that I've been researching. We talk about it on the radio show that I do. So this is all going to work in tandem to create situations where black people are going to be able to lose their jobs, I think, in mass, just based on their social media activity. So I just wanted to toss that out there. I think it was something really good, and it's something that we should be thinking about as time progresses because it's only going to get worse. Thank you. I'll mute my line. Appreciate that, Roz. Absolutely. Uh, And I would, you know, just... And it doesn't have to be as, you know, deadly. Certainly losing your job is horrendous. And that has happened. That well-documented. In fact, even before social media, that's the exactly what Roz talked about. That's exactly the type of thing that was happening in the 1960s and 70s uh, with the exact same programs, uh, Cointel Pro, where it was black people could be fired. Matter of fact, Rosa Parks and her husband, uh, that's in one of the biographies on them where they lost their job. Niggers out there agitating and we'll show you. Make sure that the whole family lose your job so you don't have anything that does happen but it could just be something as quote-unquote simple as and i think we've had listeners talk about this they just looked on your social media page your white co-workers and oh see you uh took a vacation last year saw that you were down in the caribbean wow out at the resort how did you manage to afford that like just mining 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 that's not you know seeing that oh my goodness you were out there posting about amos wilson and dick gregory and black not even that just oh saved up and took that vacation last year wonder if we're giving him a little too much money Mm, that sort of thing just social media be very very mindful very new world 21st century in terms of what whites are doing with all that intelligence uh other folks we've not heard from uh have a hand up line should be open May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. This is Red from Ohio. I'm going to try to make this quick because I'm actually out and about, I guess. Um, Nothing on me yet because I still don't have a regular job. I just do little odd things. But uh, just reporting on my mother, because I've spoken about her before, she had actually... um, she had applied to be a manager at her current job, and I spoke about how the um, the top executive at her job, he is not even graduated from college, and yet he wants someone who is a college graduate and, you know, all of these different, um, you know, uh, requirements that he has, of course, doesn't even have to um, accomplish because he's a white man. Well... They recently have given a white woman, they've offered this white woman a job, and also it it falls along those same lines where she has not had to uh, obtain the the degrees or what have you that my mother has, but they offered the job to her, and they also, um, at my mother's job, they've also told her recently that they have to do, like, uh, basically have to scrutinize her performance more and with my mother she was saying that well if it was a an outside applicant applying then how would you be able to do that same scrutiny like I forgot 
I forgot what they they called it specifically. It had something to do like a, another evaluation. And so she was questioning, well, you can't do another evaluation on someone who, who has not even worked there. So once you apply, you know, you look at your resume and that's it. But, of course, you know, she hasn't gotten an answer or even why they would come up with something so ridiculous. Um, the other thing, like I said, I do like uh, other things on the side, which I, I do hair, and it kind of um, – the reason why I bring up this story because I remember someone maybe a couple weeks back had asked, well, something about speaking to younger non-white people, younger black people, and the person whose hair I was doing, she was a younger black female, and she was telling me about her school and how, like, she had asked me who my favorite president was. Of course, I don't have one, especially now because I've been doing, um, trying to learn more. And she said her favorite president was um, Reagan. And all that I did was basically just stayed in the question lane and basically got her to understand that Reagan had nothing to do with, you know, what her, of course, white teachers taught her was that, you know, he was good for everyone because he, um, I think what she said was something to do with taxes. And so just basically leading her into, you know, the right frame of mind, the right type of thinking like, well, Reagan didn't do anything for people who would look like you. Reagan wouldn't have done anything for people who look like your father. So um, that's all I wanted to add for now. Thank you for allowing me to speak. Wow, Ronald Reagan, that is <laughs> that is uh, that is fascinating. Uh, great job asking questions, though. Appreciate anybody taking opportunity, being able to question, uh, particularly younger black people victims of racism uh, to share information ask questions a lot of times that can be difficult or people don't know how to go into those conversations a lot of times it can end up in conflict great job just being able to ask questions uh, with your mom's situation now if I heard that correctly where they gave the job to some white woman who did not have as much education and incorrectly, she didn't even work for the company that they gave an excuse that your mom, who did work for the company already, who was applying for this position, that she was subjected to uh, more intense scrutiny uh, where this suspected racist white woman who didn't already work for the company. She was not subjected to the same intense scrutiny, partly because she wasn't working in the company. So they didn't have access to as much information. Did I hear that correctly? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, actually, it was. There was other applicants who didn't have to go through that same scrutiny, but the white woman, she actually, um, my mother was a supervisor, mm. and she was just a regular um, agent or coworker or whatever, and she was promoted uh, basically above supervisor to manager. Wow. So that was two steps. Wow. 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 That consistent, I mean, that's almost cliche, I think, in the workplace in terms of uh, black people being overqualified and or white people being underqualified and they still get the job. Sometimes even the overqualified black person ended up training the underqualified white person uh, and they get the promote or the double promotion, I guess, uh, where she gets all the way up to management uh, in this one. And again, just the system of white supremacy. Now, that's one the caller who made the suggestion about in terms of outperforming whites on metrics and what have you uh, when they do the promotions or whoever gets hired when they give out these jobs and what have you sometimes they'll say well I think we had a previous call they were talking about well, we did certain scores you know looking at how long you've been here and what your scores are for leadership and 
if you've been written up, that sort of thing, the way that they give points out for assessing different candidates, uh, where you can look at some of those metrics and say, well, let's look at the scores here. Let's see if, you know, this candidate really stacked up if she's not qualified. That's one that you can do. But again, whites are probably going to have a lot of discretion uh, around that, around scoring, around who gets hired, around who they give these promotions to. You might not even get access to that data, or they could certainly make it very difficult. I've seen that as well. Uh, might be good even when you first start a job to ask those type of questions in terms of uh, promotion, uh, when they do promotions, what's the criterion? Do you, you know, have scores? What is it? Is it just, you know, you throw the names in a hat and pick out one. That's the person who gets the promotion. Like what's that process like? So you can be informed. Then when they do the promotion thing, if, if things don't go out in your favor, you'll be more knowledgeable. You'll be in a better position in terms of what questions to ask. So you can be informed as to exactly why you didn't get the job. Uh, other folks that that are listening in, if you either had commentary on what you've heard uh, thus far, uh, a couple of folks that we've heard from, if you have your own situation you want to share, uh, feel free, chime in. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Greetings, beautiful people. Um, I have a couple of comments and then like a quick update. Um, I kind of agree, like, I will not agree, I guess I do, but I commend the non-white female who didn't want to make a big fuss about the comment that was made about her, her body shape or whatever, her behind. Um, I think that shows um, a high level of maturity um, and perspective. Not everything needs to be a really big deal. And um, unfortunately, it, you know, it still made its way to uh, the man supervisor or whatever it is, um, HR, whatnot. But I think that I think that that was good. Um, about the social media page, I agree. I think I mean, perhaps the most effective code is to not have one at all. Um, however, I do see that it's possible. I could see a possibility in that a social media page or having some type of social media presence that you are extremely codified on and very much aware of what you're doing um, and strategizing about that page also being a code um, that, I mean, in terms of like big, you know, national agencies or global agencies finding you and like, analyzing your data and using all the logarithms and algorithms and whatnot to find you, um, that of course can be avoided by not having one. Um, but I think also not having some type of presence or whatever, because for those that do know you could raise suspicions as well. So just something to think about. I mean, it's, you know, everyone has their own code. Um, I'd like to just quickly talk about, uh, well, okay. Um, I'm in school. And I commute and I work two jobs as well. I get tired. And um, there's a non-white black female who works in like this little store inside of one of the buildings that I go to school. And um, she's very kind to me. And uh, she's kind to everybody, but when nobody is around, she's kind to me because I'm black and she's black. And um, She'll let me like use her microwave and get hot water to make my oatmeal 
and she even gave me a mug so I could get like discounted coffee at the cafe. And um, she's very encouraging and she's kind and it makes a world of a difference. Like usually I've been her and I've been doing that for other people, um, other non-white people in different jobs that I've had. Um, so being kind to other non-white people, I think goes a very long way. Um, I'm like, she wasn't there one day and I actually missed her. Like, I was like, whoa, <laughs> my routine is thrown off. Where are you? Um, and I, I just appreciate that. So uh, moving on. Um, uh, I also want to just talk about like being aware of the like internal dialogue or conversation or pressures that you put on yourself um, because there's pressure being put on you. Like we all know that we have to work much harder than the white people around us or globally just to even be considered for an iota of anything, of scraps, crumbs. So that puts a lot of pressure. And then I, but I also think that there's like another subconscious element to it. Um, what people call microaggressions, but I just think that's just a convoluted term for racism. Um, racism expressed in many different ways can be picked up non-verbally and can create a host of stressful, like a host of problems, um, including stress. Um, and so you can push yourself. I've pushed myself. Um, I'm that kind of way with myself, but I think it's also the pressure put on me to make sure that I meet these expectations and I don't fall into certain stereotypes and whatnot. Anyway, the point of what I'm saying is to be aware of that and take care of yourself and be aware of burnout. Um, I'm not at burnout or anything, but I have been before. So um, that's why I'm bringing it up um, because I think that's a part of workplace racism. Um, also, uh, so I TA, I think I've said that before with the racist white woman who wanted to um, harass me and terrorize me about how I'm grading and I've never really graded before. So I was grading right when I, I started grading when the call began. And um, usually in the morning, like, because I commute, so if you can imagine driving an hour and then, like, rushing to get there right at 9 o'clock, not 9.01 or whatnot. So, like, I'm, my heart's racing. Like, I'm not thinking clearly about a whole lot. So she hands me the key, and I just put it away because I knew I had to grade. I was like, okay, you know what I'm saying? Put it in there and started helping the students so we could do this. So I'm getting a grade, and she doesn't include anything. Like, she literally just tells me how many points each problem is worth. So in terms of the partial points that people can be awarded, needless to say, or I guess maybe I'll say it anyway, everybody got good grades because I'm not going to grade harshly with a key that didn't give me any details. So I will inform you all of what she says, but I, I know that she did that intentionally. Um, because this grading thing is one of those things that she's holding like against me or uh, uh, over me and whatnot, because she literally gave me a key that has no information on it other than the correct answer. But as I was expressing to y'all before, you can't have partial credit in math problems. So it was up to my discretion, I suppose, to come up with that. So I just, it was a good grading day. Everybody in that math class got a good grade especially my non-white students who um, I made sure to write detailed notes as to what was wrong, but you just missed a point. No big deal. Whatever. She doesn't like it. She can fix it. Moving on. Um, the last thing I want to say, so I also have another job. 
so I work in the pharmacy now. And I didn't share this because I wanted to finish waiting until all the pieces on the board had moved. Um, and here we are. So I've been a tech for a while. I've had my certification for a while. I keep it up, even though I'm not always in the pharmacy. So I called, got a job, you know, did the interview thing, whatever, whatnot, got the job. Now, it's not my first time working in a pharmacy, so I'm not unfamiliar with how this goes. So I'm signing my paperwork, and I asked the white woman who hired me, I said, you know, is that the right code? Because I had to sign it. So I was getting ready to put Mr. Neely Fuller Jr. Um, per, like request to delay signature in, in, his, in his book. He has that, and I have a picture of it in my phone in case I'm required to sign a document that I'm unsure of. I'm ready to just flip right to that picture and write that down and sign it so that you know, like, you know, okay, y'all know what I'm talking about. So anyway, she says, well, this is what it is. And then after six to nine months or whatever it is, then we change your code. And then I become like a, an official pharmacy technician in the pharmacy. So in that moment, I was like, okay, well, look, I, I strategized, which is what I'm trying to say. You got to strategize is the point. So anyway, I signed the paper. So I'm going through the motions and the process and whatnot, but I already knew I was going to have to address this. But I'm in the system. That was the that's my big move. Get in the system. I can fix the other things once I'm in the system. But if I don't get in the system, what can I do? Right? Like I need to get once I get my first paycheck, it's official. I'm hired. Now we about to do this. So then I she leaves because she gets sick. That makes it even better. I didn't expect that move to be made, but it was made. So then I start talking to all the other pharmacists, the non-white pharmacists, to figure out, well, you know, what's up, what's up, and they don't really know. So I'm like, okay. That kept saying, this assistant DM, I could tell by her name she was non-white. I made an assumption. I was correct. She's not white. Anyway, so I got her information, and I called her very professionally, and I explained to her my situation and told her everything. And she was kind and helped me out. So while this racist white woman who did hire me but has given me a lower salary because she put an incorrect code and called me a pharmacy cashier when I'm really a nationally certified pharmacy technician, or I hold that title, that's not what I am, but I hold that title, the woman fixed it. And uh, she fixed it like that. I called her on a Friday, so it was fixed by Monday. She called the pharmacist, the head pharmacist. He had no idea that that had happened, which I didn't think that he did because I was watching her. You know, I've been paying attention to how their eyes move mannerisms and nonverbals. I knew she was lying, but like I said, it was more important to get in the system. Needless to say, I called her. I spoke with her. I didn't record that one just to give a feel, and I didn't put it in writing just to get a feel to see what would happen, although I did consider all of that, and it worked out. The board is laid. I'm in. Things have changed. Now it's official, and I'm happy. Um, so the point there is sometimes you have to make a choice um, but to be strategic about it. And sometimes that's why I think the emotional reaction is bad. To learn to control your breathing and your nonverbals so that you're paying more attention to them than they're paying to you and they have no idea what you know and what you're about to do. So that woman thought I was a gump and like I didn't know nothing or know anything. So um, it's fixed now. So I think that is um, all I wanted to share. So thank you all for listening. Spectacular. Spectacular. That's April. Or I guess since I also have struggled with sleep, uh, I will make sure not to minimize or forget that point, uh, especially if you're working multiple jobs and you're a student. Uh, and it seems like you also have a good uh, or I won't say good, but a, a lengthy uh, commute as well. 
Uh, and that's unfortunately, unfortunately the case for a lot of black people, a lot of non-white people worldwide. Uh, we're just, our time and energy is, is divided up amongst so many things uh, where you just end up being fatigued. You have so much to do, stress, uh, we're being terrorized on a regular basis, uh, and then you've got so much to do, you don't get adequate time for, for self-care and rest. Uh, that is extraordinarily important, uh, where you were talking about you know, saying, thankfully, that you're not at the point of burnout. But I definitely think that is something that folks should we all could do a better job, Gusty included, uh, if that means being more codified to make sure that we get adequate rest, uh, if that means being more codified about how we use. Sometimes you need a day, to use days off just to get rest. Uh, to catch up and, and just do some self-care. That is extremely important. I think that's a big part of what uh, racism, white supremacy, that is a product uh, to have us at a level where we are very stressed uh, and have not been taking care of ourselves, haven't been sleeping well. Uh, and once that starts to happen, you can't think well. Uh, a lot of things can suffer. So I hope uh, Emmy and the rest of us are doing adequate job to get rest. Uh, but for the workplace situation, outstanding implementation of Mr. Fuller's code about delaying signature. Uh, I think whites a lot of times will get us uh, not just on the job and on a lot of different environments, signing things quickly, just throwing stuff in front of us. We say that all the time, particularly on the job. Make sure you read everything, especially something where they're asking for a signature. Read it over. Make sure whites make a lot of strange errors that almost never are to our benefit. It's never that they mess the code up and, oh, man, you got paid $5,000 more than we. That hardly ever happens. It's always something where, oh, man, you got the custodian's pay grade even though you are the manager of the company. I'm not sure how that happened. Double check it, triple check it. Great job controlling your emotions so that you could get in, be hired, be official, and then make sure everything is corrected and taken care of. I have seen particularly where it's financial things, where with that sort of thing, they can even try and uh, test your patience if they botch something, which your pay grade is supposed to be or any other constructive resources that you're supposed to have. Sometimes they can acknowledge, oh, yeah, we messed up our bad, our fault. And then they'll take five weeks to correct the problem and get, you know, if they're supposed to compensate you the difference in uh, the money that you didn't get or whatever it is, they'll take a long time. But just great job. I say that where I have been trying to say it more of late. Nothing, no aspect of workplace counter racism being codified. No aspect of it means anything. If you lose, you're cool. All of us whites, they're going to do. You got to expect that they are going to do things just to see if they can get you upset, just to see if they can get you angry. Might even be a legit mistake. Payroll thing, what have you. Make sure you keep those emotions under control so you can give great response at great responses and handle it in a way that's going to work out in your favor. That's what the goal should be every time. Uh, but great job, Emmy. Great job, Emmy, and get more rest. Uh, folks, had any comments? Folks that are with us, if you had comments. Yes, I did hear someone. Yes, comment. Maybe I'm hearing things. Maybe that wasn't a comment. We had folks who uh, had comments that they wanted to share on what they've heard thus far, or if you have your own situation that you would like to share, uh, number again, 641-715-3640 and the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Other folks have comments? Bobby Hurt? Yes, sir. 
Good evening, Gus. Good evening to the callers. Um, great job, Emmy. Um, yeah, I have a observation I made today um, on traveling home from work this morning, and I get off of work at 7 a.m. I have to get from Jersey to New York and um, catch the path train to New York, and then you catch the subway from there. And um, generally in the morning, there's no seats. It's, it's jam-packed. It's rush hour. Um, I catch the train from the World Trade Center uptown. Generally around 14th Street, you get a, jump, a chunk of people who get off 34th Street, more people, and then we get to 42nd Street, the bulk of the train empties out, and then it's just pretty much the people who work uptown or um, are going home or whatever. Um, so um, around 14th Street, I get a seat, and um, I see a black female. She gets a seat across from me, but of course, the train fills up, and people come between us. And, um, you know, I don't think anything of it, but I hear her yelling, you know, get your ass off of me. And she keeps saying that. And then I, I kind of could peep and I see a white man. And he's um, leaning on, she's at the corner seat, like the last seat as the door opens. And um, people have a tendency to just stand there and lean on that pole. But you're sitting there, so your butt's in your face or on your shoulder. And um, she was um, complaining about that. And um, he was telling her to shut the F up. You know, it's crowded. You know, what do you want me to do? She says, I don't care what you do. You got to get your butt off me. So um, she proceeds to yell as he continues to do it. She's telling him, turn around and stand up like a man. Don't, you know, this isn't time for you to be leaning. You know, this is, a, this is you're in a standing occupied space, not in a seat. Get off of me. And um, he's telling her to shut up, shut the F up. No one has to listen to you. So, um, you know, it, it's becoming belligerent. Um, and she threatens him and says, listen, you touch me again, I'm going to hurt you. So as this is going on, uh, a white man all the way on the other side by me says, it's too early for this. Shut the F up. Shut up, B. You know, now, you know, you see the Voltron effect forming. Now, this lady has a valid issue, but, of course, the next white person all the way across, here's a black woman arguing with a white man. He takes the white man's position. Now, all of these white women between us, um, they're standing there. They see what's happening, um, but they're not taking that black woman's um, side. Um, they're looking at each other, like, kind of like, oh, my God, you know, what's going on here? So, um... So she, she says to the guy who's talking to mind his business, and uh, as this, this company's the next stop and the people get off so she can get a clear view of the guy, and he's telling her, you know, you shut up, you stupid being, and, you know, it just got real belligerent. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, I mean, um, you know, it's a crowded train. Um, if he was to hit this woman, I'm going to help her. Uh, however, she stood up and she threw a bottle of Poland spring water at the man. He kind of, you know, did his matrix move and got out the way and it hit the window. And she's like, you know, I'll F you up. But then her whole conversation turns to, I fight niggas too. This is a white man she's fighting with, but I understand she needs it as far as I fight men too. But it just got real belligerent. And um, this black woman stood between her and the man and started rubbing her arm and, you know, so her calmed down sister, she sat down and she kind of relaxed 
But um, this is the stress that we into work in, um, going into work with this type of stress. Now, this lady was terrorized on her way to work, and now she's going to go into work, and, you know, you, you can see sometimes how um, when you deal with black people at the workplace, um, you have issues with, you know, black people, you have to be sometimes empathetic. So, you know, what, what they might have had to deal with on the way getting to work, you know, this is this was her, her way to go to work, and... She, she's already been traumatized, and I just thought that was compelling. Um, but what was even more compelling is as as everything calmed down, um, you know, I noticed that both white men, after they got her vowed up, what they would do is they would hear and they they got quiet. Then. Like you know, she's the only one yelling, and how everyone's like looking at like she's the problem now, and it, it's just like, like like you always say the whole trauma effect. People who even knew saw the whole incident go down. Now they're backing away from her and, and looking at each other with that those white eyes, you know, like sort of like, oh my God, what's the hell? And they understood what what was the cause of that. So I, it just like it, it just so irked me to see how that whole thing worked. But um, you know, understanding what was going on was, was the key. And I'm with my line, Gus. I know that wasn't exactly workplace racism, but it happened on my way home from work, and that lady was on her way to work, obviously, by the way she was dressed. So it was just um. You know, I could see how people could come to work and, and be in a real bad mood, um, black people in particular, and, and not giving the benefit of the doubt, never thinking of what they had to endure to get to work. Great point. The commute, I talked about that before on workplace racism. That commute, I think, is, is certainly a part of workplace racism, and because a lot of Blind, especially in New York with living prices and what have you, I'm not surprised. You have a whole lot of people who might have to travel a great distance from wherever their residence is to wherever they are going to work. And that's the case uh, for a lot of black people worldwide uh, where they might have to travel uh, extremely long distance uh, to get to and from wherever they work at, wherever their house is. And who knows what you might have to endure, uh, whether that's, you know, the expense of travel or all types of harassment on public transportation, whole lot of that uh, all the way around. Absolutely. Count, uh, in my view, qualifies as workplace racism and a part of the stress that we deal with as a part of getting the job keeping the job. I think Mr. Fuller had talked about that as well in terms of uh, all of the other things that go in with getting that job, being able to get there to and from and what you're going to have to do uh, in transit. Uh, other folks have uh, commentary, workplace racism, either commentary on what we've heard from folks thus far, uh, or if you had your own situation that you wanted to address, feel free. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Hey, uh, greetings to the listeners and the callers. This is Keita. Uh, and I had a situation at my uh, plantation today. Uh, I was speaking with uh, my one of my bosses, team leads, and uh, I was describing an assignment that we received uh, out of nowhere. I work with uh, mechanical devices and, you know, uh, things, I pretty much repair them and uh, it's a technical job. So we had a day of training uh, authorized by our management. So we were supposed to do training and my boss previously told me that he wanted us to put all of the 
training items that the team uses, he wanted uh, everyone to sign off on the same sheet. So, you know, that's fine. There are only two or three of us. But so for this training cycle, he was out of town. You know, he's been out of town for the whole week. So when I spoke with him on the phone, uh, you know, he asked me what I did with my training. I said, oh, yeah, I, uh, you know, I finished my training and I sent it off to the person that's supposed to sign off on, you know, the forms. And then he said, oh, you know, oh, I told, you know, our boss, our, our other boss that, you know, we would keep them all together and all this, you know, we would keep all the training documents together. And his tone started to get a little irritated. Um, he's very passive aggressive. Uh, so I could hear the irritation in his voice. And then he, he, he began to say, you know, no, I told you before, um, you know, that we should put everything together. And, you know, he, he, was, he was visibly, well, you know, he was definitely flustered. I could definitely hear that in his voice. He was starting to get angry. And, you know, I had to cut him off. And I said, well, you know, the reason that I did the training by myself is you've been gone for a week. And, you know, I don't, I don't understand how we'd have been able to sign off on the same training forms when you're, like, a thousand miles away. Um, but, you know... He's a white man, and, you know, no matter what they tell you, you have to do it and listen, even if it doesn't make sense in, in a particular context. And, you know, that was just very telling, and it revealed a lot because when I just explained why I did what I did, he realized how illogical it was for him to get angry. But, you know, in that moment, he had to assert himself, like, hey, I told you what to do, and, you know, you didn't do it, even though, you know, it didn't make sense in the context. And, you know, that's, that's all I have for now. Thank you. I think that's that's another thing that's a big part of white supremacy. And, I mean, talk about stress. Man, white people, they just love. Uh, that is a part of white supremacy. I can talk down to. I can curse out. I can abuse this black person whenever I feel like it. Doesn't matter, you know, if the person did anything wrong or not. That's even that's a better part of the joy when I can go and fuss at them and curse at them and talk bad at them when they haven't done anything wrong at all. Like <laughs> going to get the training. Doesn't matter that I wasn't here. Logistically it wouldn't have been possible for what I'm fussing about, but I just want to be able to fuss. And that's another one, just like what Emmy said, really the importance of managing emotions. Uh, at least in my view, I could be wrong, but I think when you when you begin to get a better grasp of what it means to be white and why these type of incidents happen why is this white person coming here and taking this sort of tone with me about this when i'm just thinking about logically what he's fussing about it doesn't even make sense so why is he doing it? that's what it means to be white love look forward to the opportunity to come in and yell at the niggers uh and just exactly what you said just walking through the logic asking questions i'm not trying to fight back uh, i'm not gonna get outraged and you know try to yell back at him or what have you just walking through the logic of how do we you know handle the situation uh, and it seems like you said that you just kind of didn't sound like you yelled at him or cursed or what have you just went over hey you you've been absent you know that was why i kind of went ahead and proceeded and just did mine individually because you haven't been here uh to sign off to to put it with everybody else's and oh yeah mm, mm. and he goes about his business no oh my bad i'm I'm so sorry for my uncouth behavior i can't believe i talked to you like that i'll you know bring you some starbucks cars tomorrow my apologies i'm gonna go back to work and see if i can get my get my attitude to get none of that at all just eh, well just chalk that up you you probably deserve to be fussed at for something else so you know you just save that one for later 
tacky, racist as usual. Uh, we have other folks' comments, uh, either on what we've heard, uh, suggestions, how you would deal with it. Yes, sir. Uh, yes. Um, what the previous caller just described reminded me of that section in Delectable Negro. I brought it up before where the, um, the black slave was on a ship and the, the slave master told him he wanted them to make poached fish, I mean fried fish, um, during a storm. And the slave had done everything he could to try and make the meal the way that the master told him to. And he couldn't because it was windy, it was rainy, and he ended up trying to poach the fish because that was the only way he thought he would be able to cook it. And when the white man got home, he got just enraged about the fact that his fish wasn't fried the way he wanted it, and he stripped the slave down in front of everybody and abused him and beat him. And to me, that, that is kind of like what the previous caller described. We all know that the system of white supremacy is a system of um, calculating uh, psych- psychopathy, sociopathy, and acute narcissism uh, combined with uh, an acute and uh, terror uh, based fear of ethnic annihilation. So, when you look at what the previous call described, and even that story in Delectable Negro, Dr. Welsing has always talked about the fact that uh, these hominids are an inbred race of beings. And they have mental illnesses that are functional. So when we work around and we deal with them, whatever capacity we function with them, we have to now acclimate ourselves to their degenerate, inbred, mutant insanity in order to try and function with some semblance of, 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 of uh, just normalcy, is just, which is impossible because they're really functionally um, and terroristically insane and calculating with that. So this also ties into what Thomas in, in New York was talking about. And he, he was saying, we don't know what a black person has gone through just traveling from home to work. And by the time they get to work, those are the types of scenarios they're going to deal with throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month. So when you deal with other black people, and Gus always says in that prayer, and I actually use that prayer on our radio because I just think it's important. I use it personally every day to be patient with other black people. These are the circumstances we have to have the forethought, the foresight, and the counter-racist logic and counter-racist uh, uh, human, black human spirit to say, I don't know what this black person is going through that has them acting in a way that might seem idiosyncratic, even anti-black. And when we can have that kind of forethought, it can, uh, it can put us in a position psychologically where we're not getting into unnecessary conflicts with other black people. We have to consider that every white person we encounter functions exactly like the person in that previous call discussed, and we have to think of ways to decompress and facilitate a lack of stress when we come in contact with other black people because these are the things we deal with across the board globally. Just wanted to say that because I just thought it was extremely important and it tied into, um, like I was saying, what Thomas in New York talked about before in our reading of The Delectable Negro. That is Delectable Negro consumptive cannibalistic behavior. Thank you. I'm in my line. 
I was reminded of that same passage from Vincent Woodard's uh, Delectable Negro, and then he mentioned it. I was glad I didn't have to reference it. it same thing that the previous caller touched on. It reminded me of uh, The Half Has Never Been Told. I think those two are similar in that regard of enslaved black people being beaten and punished when they did nothing wrong and white enslavers seem to, seeming to relish uh, having the ability to, to punish regardless whether you did anything wrong or not. Uh, folks who either wanted to comment on what we've heard, if you have suggestions, what have you, or if you have your own situation you would like to discuss, feel free. Line should be open. Stacy in the UK chiming in 2 a.m. Friday morning, actually 2.14 a.m. Friday morning. Hello to you and the rest of you. Um, I wanted to just comment on something Emma said about the term microaggressions. Um, and in terms of definitions, uh, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. <coughs> I wouldn't necessarily, well, I, um, I'm not quoting the dictionary definition, but essentially my understanding of the term is those behaviours that are projected that may be subtle, I mean, you know, we can use the term passive-aggressive, or just covert things that are done to undermine an individual that are not the sort of blatant calling somebody, uh, you know, an obvious racist term like nigger or um, black whatever, or whatever sort of obvious term, expected term, that get used um, in, in the context of racism, whether it's in the workplace or anywhere else. Um, and I think Emma commented that, you know, she didn't like the use of the term. For me, I, I don't find it as um, troublesome as the term unconscious or conscious bias simply because I don't believe there is any such thing as unconscious bias. I mean, people may do things unconsciously sometimes because it's just habit and ingrained. But in, in, in terms of racism, I think, you know, I, you know, I, I just struggle to accept that things are being done unconsciously. Um, and certainly there's a whole lot of conscious behaviour which gets um, lumped under the term unconscious bias, which is where my real discomfort lies. However, in terms of the use, uh, the term microaggression, I actually do think it is quite useful, um, certainly for me, in being able to quantify um, a lot of those behaviours, as I said, that are not the obvious calling you a derogatory term like nigger or whatever. Um, and I think, you know, when we have talked about the behaviours that are projected towards us, that are not so obvious, but you, you just know that people are mistreating you. So whether it's that you're trying to contribute in a meeting and there's eye contact between racist colleagues or suspected racist colleagues across the table, or you're, you're, you're just disregarded, and then somebody else then repeats exactly what you've said and they get a credit for basically copying you and, you know... Um, everything that you've said, but you're, you're, you're not acknowledged for your contribution to, you know, passing us over for 
um, promotions um, and and terming that as you know you underperforming regardless of whether you're overperforming or not. Um, so I just wanted to just I guess comment on that use of that term from my perspective I do find it useful because I think again in terms of even the point Emma's making about sometimes the stress that we apply on ourselves and we're always trying to compensate for the the you know being having to outperform colleagues and the stress that that causes just knowing that actually there is a term for you know they these things are real you're not imagining it um you are being abused you're just not being called a nigger and i do think it's useful whether we like you know whether it's the term itself to a certain extent is irrelevant but just acknowledging that those behaviors are very real and you're not mad you're not imagining it those things are happening um and and just being able to um put a name to it and the other point that i just want to make on that as well is that um sometimes it's just useful to use the terms that um uh white people create even though sometimes i think it's just the slick way of um covering up actual acts of racism um you know sometimes it's useful to use the terms that we're presented with even if we're not totally caught up on the agenda um in terms of my update um i'm obviously going through the grievance process um i'm not going to say too much on it because um i'm, I'm going to give a proper update once i'm a bit further down the line if that's not metaphor um in uh, when the process is really underway uh actually been now out of the office for this is my sixth week i mean i did actually go into the building this week because i did need to catch up with the hr department um however last week i did take annual leave um but what they have essentially done is kept me out of the office um rather than suspending the racist individuals um now that's kind of you know it, there are pros and cons to it in terms of um the first couple of weeks it gave me a chance to concentrate and get the actual grievance documentation done um because it was very difficult emotionally as i'd said before trying to do that try to work and <coughs> just deal with the emotions associated with it um that said um what's being done is that i'm literally notified on a week-to-week -week basis whether or not i'm going to be in the office and where i'm going to be in the organization which in itself is causing anxiety um but i've tried to reframe that in my mind now and just accept that this is the way that they're dealing with it um and i'm going to practice codification because i think and is it dr nessayan uh, i think i'm pronouncing that correctly um and um lady fuller's um point about our time and currency being most valuable i will try and get myself into a place where i'm using that time any time that i'm given now to focus on other endeavors not just the um you know the, the work that i do for my current employer um 
but yeah, I mean, going through the process thus far, I am learning an incredible amount, um, which I will share because I think it will be useful for people um, whether or not they go through an actual grievance process or they at least try to avoid a grievance process. However, um, I'll do that sort of at a time where it, I can I can give a bit of value and it's also less sensitive. Uh, so I'll meet my line there, Gus. See if Emmy has a uh, update. I, I I know the seasons are changing, even across the waters over there. Seasons are changing. It's getting cooler. I hope you're taking good care of yourself. Uh, I don't know if you are all under the weather or feeling down with with the season change, but uh, your voice sounds a little little different. Hope you're managing self care uh, with your situation. I knew, know you said you'll give us a proper update uh, in the future, but with your situation, even now, uh, not being in the office and they kind of let you know on an ad hoc basis in terms of where you will be at and what your schedule is going to be. And you were saying that that's stressful. Like that sounds extremely stressful uh, to me, like to just, you're in a work situation where you were being terrorized. Uh, folks who heard what was happening with Stacy being physically uh, terrorized, having people just coming up and socking you in the hallway out of a sudden uh, for no reason. And in addition to being accused, falsely accused of, you know, verbally uh, assaulting or verbally <laughs> shouting at a white person. And then in all of this, trying to get this resolved, they don't go and get the, the violent white people and send them home or punish them. Or they don't accuse the white person who falsely charged you. You get sent out uh, and we'll let you know where you're going to be at. Uh, and we'll just have this be the schedule for, you know, weeks on end. Like that's just I'm mean, super shabby, uh, in my opinion, and racist, the type of thing that they do to black people. And just like I said, the stress of that, like I'm on a full time job. I've been here for years and now I got to you know, wait and have somebody let me know where I'm going to be at and what I'm going to be doing. And I'm <laughs> racist man, racist woman, racist child worldwide uh, and this majorly contributes in my view to the stress that we experience uh in the job uh and just <laughs> what racism is designed to produ uh to produce uh this type of just constant nagging stress uh at black people that can just weigh you down uh we had other folks uh, i guess she was directing some of that to emmy if you wanted to respond feel free and then other folks who have a hand up as well if you have commentary that you want to share suggestions or if you had your own situation you want to touch on feel free can i be here yes ma'am um just to clarify in case i was um murky in what i was saying is I do see that what people are calling microaggressions exist. I know they exist. I experience them and I see them. I personally um, want to disregard a lot of the terms that are created to describe the one thing that I think it all is, which is racism, white supremacy, practice in many different ways, but all of it is just white supremacy. Um, but for me, I think that's really just like a perspective thing and that it's really minuscule because we're like, it's, we're not denying that it exists. So whatever other people want to call it, or if I don't want to call it that, I think it's um, benign really, because I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. And you were saying that it does exist. So we both know that it exists. So for me, 
um, I think it's perfectly fine to have different perspectives perspectives on word usage. I'm sorry, can I just come back from that? For sure. Yeah, I guess um, just to clarify as well, I wasn't necessarily critiquing um, your comment. It was literally, I think for me, I didn't have a term or even necessarily a definition when I, for a lot of the behaviours. So it wasn't necessarily directed at your comment per se, but just an acknowledgement that sometimes we, we're, we're just on the receiving end of so many types of attack and you can question your own sanity in it. And as I said, if you're not being explicitly called a nigger, then sometimes people expect that that is what racism is. You know, you're being called a direct derogatory racist term. Um, and the slick ways in which things are done sometimes, you know, it, it, it's the wordplay that we know exists. I don't like the use of the term any more than I like the term unconscious bias, but what was useful for me is coming across the term microaggression and the, rather the definition of it and being able to say, okay, that's the, some of the things that I've been encountering and it's real. I'm not imagining this. So I think that was more my point rather than necessarily um, a critique of anybody's definition or or use of the term and I agree it's irrelevant it's all racism it's just how I guess it's part of this process and the value of this um, this forum um, just helping others to understand that it happened you know the attacks that we face happen in many different forms and being able to quantify that and know that you're not imagining it and unfortunately sometimes having to go through processes where you have to formally challenge being able to use the terms that get presented to us effectively. And so I don't like them any more than um, uh, the term unconscious bias, for example, but sometimes it's useful to just throw those terms back at the institutions that we work in, in order to at least try and get some redress or justice for what we're facing. So I'm my line there, Right on, right on. Certainly might, <clears throat> you certainly might be required in some workplace settings to use the terms that they have outlined, which probably won't be the most accurate ones, but I can certainly see the value in being versatile. Uh, you just have to kind of figure out the situation, how you want to proceed, what, what are the best terms uh, to articulate your situation. Uh, other folks that are with us, uh, if you have a hand up, if you have commentary you want to share, uh, line should be open, feel free. Uh, yes, guys, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, there's this big victim, Birmingham, Alabama. I got uh, a female victim on the line. She want to give you an update on the situation. On the situation. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Good to hear from you. Hi. How are you doing? Um. Well, I really don't want to give up. Update. I'm not sure, you know, I'm new to this and I have been listening to the cows with Big Victim and um, 
I'm kind of a little, you know, I work in a co- a big corporation, and, you know, I had some terrible things that happen, and they've been happening for a while since I've been there, and a lot of racism. But um, my, I have a question, really, about the situation that happened to me. And um, the gentleman, he did get fired. Mm-hmm. He got fired. But um, my question to you is that why is it or is it a time when we're supposed to, you know, question, you know, uh, racism because that was the reason he questioned them about their racism. And they fired him. I mean, with no reason why they did it they just did it and so you know I just want to know do are we not supposed to question them about you know what's happening in this because I did tell him some of the things that happened to me now he did not discuss that with them but he discussed what happened to him and it was all the truth so you know that's my question to you is are we not supposed to question them about this? And um, what would be the next step, you know, in this situation? Uh, I would say... Can I ask that? Okay. I, for listeners and for myself, really, uh, to make sure, I think Big Victim called in previously uh, about the young lady we're speaking with now uh, your situation, ma'am, was it uh, you worked with another uh, black person, a black male, and I guess you all had some sort of conflict uh, where I guess you all were friends at first. You had talked to him about racism and your thoughts on racism, maybe even some of the white people that you work with. Then after your falling out with this black male, he said he was going to go and snitch. He was going to go and tell the white people that you all work with some of the things you had said about racism and white people. I guess he didn't do that. Uh, but it seems that he somehow had some sort of conflict anyway and ended up being terminated. Is this the situation we're talking about? That's correct. Okay. Okay. With his situation, if I remember correctly from Big Victim, it seemed that this guy, it seemed like he was doing a lot of things that I would classify as being not codified uh, from threatening to go and try and get you in trouble with white people. And then I think big victim had said he had had some sort of problem or what have you and started yelling and got in trouble. Uh, it seemed at least from what I was told, obviously I'm not there, just what you, the information that you all passed to me, that doesn't seem like a way of addressing racism on the job. That's going to work out well for the black person. Uh, this, the whole reason that we try to have this program is that uh, you've got to be very specific Uh, It's going to take some serious thinking uh, to try to address when racism is happening on the job to try and address it in a way that will solve problems for you without creating new problems. If you just get angry and go in and just start saying you all are racist and this happened last Thursday and it was racist or this happened last week and it was last month and it was racist, it's probably not going to work out. It's probably going to be something very similar to what happened to this black male that you work with where he got fired. Things, if things that are happening on your job, they probably are racist. The question is, how do you address these things to get them stopped so that they don't happen at all? So we don't have to deal with this. Uh, in my view, it comes with being very specific. That's something we talk about a lot in terms of documenting exactly 
what it is that happened. Uh, if things specifically that are happening to you, documenting, and I mean as precise as possible, this is the time, this is the date, this is what it is. Uh, if somebody said something to me, this is exactly in quotes what was said. If other people heard it, that can verify uh, that, yes, this is what was said. I heard it. This is the date, the time. Great. If it's, you know, being denied promotions or raises, that sort of thing, uh, it takes data documenting. And even then, if you're just going to talk to the people that you work with, the white people, I would not go in saying you all are racist or I think this was racist. It would just be specific to what was done or what was not done. Uh, address the problem. Mm -hmm. If it was somebody said something this was said is this appropriate is this way we should respond in the workplace if it was you know however you were mistreated do you want to share like a specific example of how you've been mistreated something that you think was been practicing racism against you in the workplace oh my gosh <laughs> wow i can well for one where i work at like i said it's a corporation and mm. i am the only person of color in the office and um, one of the things that constantly, and I have mentioned it to them, um, the people that work there give me another name from the person that works in the same office that me <laughs> that I do. Um, they may call me, and I'll say this. They'll say when they're talking to me, they may call me the window, and they call her by name. You know, I can say that's one thing that really is bothers me, and I have, you know, talked to the people about it, and, you know, and I was just like, you know, why is it that you can't call me by name, you know? And so pick your own battles is what I was told, pick your own battles. So, you know, I still have a problem with that, but I've been there for many, many years, and you know my name, but you choose to call me that. Um, another situation was that politics is something that constantly, and even when I say I don't want to, you know, talk about it, it always comes in. It's always just, you know, there to, you know, really just, you know, come at me about it. Whatever happens on the news is going to come and they got to be in my office, you know, talking to the other person about it. But making sure they're looking at me and, you know, talking about it, you know, and I try, I really try hard not to say anything. But, of course, sometimes you just maybe shouldn't, but put your, you're too thin in it. And I mean too, maybe. But um, that happens a lot. And, you know, it's just so, so much more. But, you know, and even when I talk to him regarding it, you know, um, just like you said, that he did go in and he specifically was talking to a person of higher authority, but he was, you know, of color. And so he thought that he could talk to him about it. But the other person that was there was listening to, I mean, was seeing him do his hands, you know, to make sure he said black and white or whatever. And so I think that that's, you know, really what happened. You know, because when he asked what happened, why he got fired, they didn't even tell him. They just escorted him off the, you know, lot. So, wow. You know, but it's so much, so much. That you happened. Know, but he, he, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. 
Oh, no, I was just going to say that that just happens a lot there. I mean, it's an everyday thing, and I mean, I'm totally, you know, getting burnt out with it, you know, mm-hmm. but like I said, I've been there, you know, for a while now, and I have deal with, at first, and I want to go back to this. When I first started there, I used to laugh at it, you know, uh, laugh laugh with them, you know, but it was really at me, you know, and I felt like I was that person that was just the, you know, the clown there, you know, with them. And then I started, you know, when things started happening, you know, and it was one statement that was made about, you know, why do, and this is terrible, but why do Blacks always vote uh, Democrat, bet you really don't know why you voted Democrat, you know, and I'm just like, you know, and I won't go into, you know, the situation, but that was said to me, you know, and, um, and then, you know, I hear this all the time. Why do we do this? Why is always that, you know, and this is just something that totally happens every day that I'm there. And then, so my question, you know, is why is it? That, you know, even when you go to people and talk to them about it, it's just like, you know what, just don't worry about it. Just let it go. Don't even listen to it. Or not. But how can you not when you're hearing this every day? This is every day. And it's not in my mind or anything like that. I'm the only one there, you know. But other people that are around, they hear it. And they'll say something about it, you know. And they'll say, well, you need to do this and you need to do that. But you know, they're not going to be there with you on it. So, hmm. you know, you just have to be, you know, just deal with this. Right. And that's why I'm asking, you know, when do you stop dealing with it? Okay. Except to quit the job. Okay. These, these are, give me one second, Thomas in New York. Yes, sir. We can hear you. Uh, just, I guess with some of the things that you listened in terms of specifics, that's what with workplace racism, it's, you have to be very uh, specific. We have to be very uh, specific about exactly what it is, is happening. That's the best way to move forward in terms of dealing with these issues, specifics, the main thing. That's something we talk about all the time. I'm sure we could put together sound clips of uh, hours, probably of black people uh, and whites on the job, making up nicknames, uh, they claim they can't remember your name. Uh, they mangle it. They mispronounce it. Like you name it. The name thing that is legendary. Uh, what I think what we've recommended, uh, what I've recommended every time you don't need to go to HR. You don't need to go talk to the CEO. You just talk to the person, whoever is. Uh, let's just say they're calling you Susan. That's not your name. Let's just say that they're calling you Susan. I think you said that the window or whatever they said, whatever other your name, whenever they say it, Ted, Susan. John, Mr. Jones, if you're on a last name basis, uh, Mrs. Johnson, whoever it is, if it's a white person, non-white person, my name is mm-hmm. Helen, Mrs. Jones, whatever, you know, you want to be called on the job. That is what I would like to be called every time you need to address me. I might not answer. This is some people's code. I might not answer you if you need to call me something other than my name. This is what my name is. I don't call anybody here nicknames. I don't make up little names to try to, you know, joke on you or anything. I call everybody by their name. I think you all can reciprocate. And I would say that every time. Uh, and if you if you're serious, this is you said you've been joking around with them and what have you. 
that's not a story, but I no joking with the name thing. I would be very see you don't have to yell at them, and it's not about yelling and cursing the same way that I'm talking to you right now. You know, this is my name is Gus. That's what I expect it to be called every time. If you call me something other than Gus, I might not answer you, depending on what's happening here. You know, and I always encourage asking questions. You seem to, or you all, or if it's one person specifically, seem to have trouble with my name. Do you have trouble remembering anybody else's name that works here? Why is that? What is it about me that you can't remember my name? I've been, it's not like I'm, you know, just started last week. I'm always an advocate of the question line. You can try that. Whatever it is, if you're more comfortable asking a question, if you're more comfortable just being direct, my name is such and such. Call me that every time without exception. Thank you kindly. That would be my code for the name thing. The politics thing, that's some, that's more one. That that can just be about you. And that's another one we talk about all the time here. That's just about being disciplined. I don't care what they say about anything. They can bring up Alabama's politics. I wish old Jeff Sessions was back here. Man, I sure do miss him. Man, he was great for black people. Mm -hmm. What do you think about Donald Trump? He came down here and gave that speech in Huntsville. I have no idea. What do you think? You mean you didn't see it? He was down here telling get those SOBs up. I didn't see it. I have no comment. Man, I don't know. I think you saw that. Are you just trying to hold out on me? I have a lot of work to do, Helen. I'm going to go ahead and catch you. I hope you have a great day. If uh, something pops up, work really, because you said this is a corporation, so I assume you all aren't just sitting around joshing, drinking beers, and talking about Alabama football. Uh, I got work to do, Helen. I'll see you a little bit later. If you need something, let me know, and I would go back to work. But that's just about being personally disciplined and anticipating. I think I said that a lot this evening and these are things that i know are going to happen these white people are going to come in here and they're going to talk about racist things and you niggers always vote for democrats and you niggers kept obama in office for eight years and i don't know why you niggers didn't support jeff i already know this is going to (laughs) happen either i'll document you can record all this stuff and just keep it in a docu uh little folder what have you or nothing i don't have a question i don't have a comment nothing i'm gonna go about my work because a lot of times they're probably doing this just to get the black people that are there upset we can get them riled up or get them talking and hopping in this is inter this is racist entertainment for whites i do not participate at all i think emmy you can just give that i don't talk about politics and that's it and when they see you stick to that when they see you never break to give them two cent one cent i have nothing to say about these discussions when we get back to talking about workplace stuff sure i'll jump in but if we're just going to talk about politics or whatever and trump did this and jeff sessions did that or whatever i have nothing to say about any of that i'm on my job and i'm not even giving the appearance that i'm upset about this because i'm not because i know you all are going to do this thomas in new york did you have a suggestion that you were going to share as well He might have stepped away from uh, the line. Did any other callers, uh, Thomas, if you have your suggestion, you can feel free to hop back in. Any of the other callers have a suggestion that they wanted to give out for uh, the caller here that's dealing with all of this stress and, and terrorism in the workplace down in Alabama? Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Emmy? Um, thank you for sharing. Um, I think my suggestion would be to call in more. I think that it would be beneficial to you to call in more because um, it seems like right now there's, there's not it seems, it's apparent that there's a lot. And if you call in regularly, um, you can share and like slowly develop your code. 
um, I haven't been calling in forever, but workplace racism was one of the things that really has helped me the most with the cows um, and being able to process past experiences and also to develop a strategy and a code to prevent future things from happening or things happening now so that I can like, kind of get out. I could have gotten out of that rut I was in where it was like I kept just making the same mistakes um, mm-hmm. but because I didn't have a code. I was just doing me, you know, um, which didn't work. So I, I would say one thing is to call in more often um, on Thursdays. That would be great. I think another thing is um, two separate kind of journaling things. The first one would to kind of take a second when you get some time and preferably sooner rather than later, just write out your experiences, particularly dealing with racism at this job. Like whatever you can remember, like go all the way back. I don't know when you started there, but that one time, what's his face that what he said, that time she did what she did, that time you tried to get that, like whatever it was and just like get it out. Um, Then when you Mm -hmm. call in, you could share it with us and you could get it off your chest. I did that once and it was really helpful. Um, Cause I had something and it was just like eating me up this, it, cause it was traumatic. It was a very bad experience and I should redo it again. Cause every now and then I think about that one person and I just, you know, I think that would be helpful. The second journaling um, exercise would be to keep a daily log, like Gus was saying um, of things that are happening so that you can, I think it's helpful. I, I like to deal with patterns so you can kind of get the, see the pattern I'm sure you already see it but like write it down and then figure out like what how you want to handle this and what you want to do um and also to have a log that way if things ever did not work out to you know things weren't as good as they are now or they got worse or whatnot um you have a record of what's been happening so if you do the one in the past you can just kind of get that out and then keep one on a regular basis such and such said this this happened like even for yourself, because that log, having a written record can help you in the future if things don't work out. Um, and then I wrote down a note, a couple of notes while you were talking. If you're serious about it, it's going to require that you retrain people on how to relate to you. Because right now it seems that they're very comfortable doing whatever it is that they're doing. So when you develop a code, it means that there's going to be like a change. And you're going to feel that they're going to feel it, but essentially you're retraining yourself and by and retraining them as well. So be prepared for like that whole thing. If you haven't read Mr. Neely Fuller Jr.'s, I don't know if Big Victim has the book. Um, if he does, maybe he'll let you buy it and you could read. It has a long title, but I just call it the Code by Mr. Fuller. That way you understand what everybody's talking about when we say code. Because for a while it took okay. me a second to really realize what it is. Those are a couple things okay. I think that would be helpful. But thank you for sharing. Thank you. Thomas in New York, are you back with us? You want to get your suggestions in for the caller? Appreciate that, Amy. Thomas in New York dipped on us. All right. Um, Any other folks have suggestions that they wanted to offer our callers down here in Alabama? Any other suggestions? May I be heard? Uh, let's see. I think I heard both of you. Uh, I guess Stacy in London, you want to go first? Okay. Um, yeah, I'll be quick. Um, I think I'd agree with everything that's been said thus far. I, I can hear the emotion in 
your voice and it's obviously very raw and you're you're dealing with a, an incredible amount i mean one thing that or two things that have been said to me um and sometimes people say things to you and at the time it means absolutely nothing or it can sound really patronizing um but sometimes to get perspective on um the situation but also just being able to get some time away and rest because I think when you're constantly in the midst of the organization and you're encountering this on a day-to-day basis it can just wear on you and in as much as where I'm at now they're sort of telling me whether or not I can go into the organization on a week-for-week basis I have been able to rest to a certain degree and that has made a lot of difference in terms of just my ability to think about the next stage. Um, And in terms of the word, using the term perspective, um, again, it's just about removal of um, almost stepping back from the situation. And I know when you are emotionally worn down as well as physically worn down, you can sometimes lose yourself and your ability to cope with things in the way that you would have done in the past. So, you know, obviously somebody not calling you by your name, obviously if, if, it, if, it, if it wasn't even racist, it's definitely rude. Um, but of course we know it's an, an act of racism. Um, but, you know, how would you have dealt with that in the past? And sometimes simplest things are just to ignore people, not because you're um, denying or dismissing what they've done, but people do things because they're going to get a, re- a reaction out of you. And it's just sometimes being able to step away and think about, okay, well, you know, how would I have dealt with this in the past? And just getting yourself into that mental stage where you are, even if it's tearing you up inside for, the, for a while until you're strong enough to cope with it, um, not trying not to give the outward um, signal that they're actually affecting you because people feed off of that you know when they know they can undermine you they're going to continue doesn't mean they're not going to try another act of terrorism and racism but um you know and I, I and i've had this name thing done to me um years ago somebody blatantly you know uh, when i was a lot younger he didn't call me by my name and he said oh well you know you remind me of such and such and i got to the stage where i used to answer to the, this other name because that's what he called me and i can look back now and sort of listen and understanding more now that i'm listening to cows know that actually that was just blatant racism and somebody did it to me again recently in the organization somebody that i've worked with for years who who knows my name there's no confusion about my name who decided to call me again by another name because he was just um feeling uh, extra racist that day um, so I, knowing the cows and being able to pick up on it on cue, called him by another name as well and laughed. He didn't do it again. And, um, yeah, so, you know, you can get yourself into a, a frame where you're a bit stronger and being able to sort of dismiss some of the, the, the sort of day-to-day um, acts that take place. But I'll meet my line, I guess. Appreciate that, Stacey. Uh, was that Red in Ohio who had a comment or a suggestion? 
Yes, sir. Um, thank you for allowing me to share again. Um, I'm not sure if anyone brought this up or not, but I would also for the um, victim, um, I think in Alabama, if I'm not mistaken, I would also suggest to review the policies and procedures because at my um, previous job, there was a part in the policies and procedures where it specifically stated you cannot talk about politics or anything sexual, sexually explicit, um, anything of that nature. So if these people are, um, or one person or what have you, if this is occurring, then maybe, you know, that can be brought up like, oh, well, you know, I don't talk about that type of thing, especially with the politics part, because, you know, in the handbook, it does say, hey, you can't talk about that type of thing while on, um, you know, on the job, on work premises. Uh, the and then also, like, I know one thing that um, Gus has brought up um, time before, I think actually in this same uh, call is that uh, with the whole um, sexual harassment, like, you know, if you're something like if you have a question, just bring it up at, at a meeting, like if it's to do with sexual harassment. So maybe with this same instance, you know, bring it up at a meeting. Okay, well, if somebody doesn't want to, if somebody is not calling you by your name, how would you then go about it? So maybe it's kind of like um, anonymous, even if I, and I understand that, you know, the victim is the only one, the only uh, non-white person in that department, even if there is possibly like a suggestion box or any way of making it anonymous, which is something that I definitely favor. Um, I would also maybe try to go that route as well. Um, thank you for allowing me to share. Excellent policy. Can I say something? Yes, ma'am. Oh, all right. I'm sorry. I'll go after you. Um, can I say something? Yes, ma'am. Proceed. Okay. I wanted to first of all say that, you know, I did try to um, stop the, about them calling me that name, you know, the window. But um, when I went to my supervisor about that, you know, he he's the one that told me that I need to pick my battles. So every time that I, if I didn't say anything to comment, I mean, you know, if they call me that and I didn't answer it, you know, then he'll come up there and he'll get the fussing at me, you know, and I'm like, and I'm older than, you know, pretty much all of them. And I'm just like, oh my God, I cannot believe this. I mean, you know, here you're fussing at me because I want you to call me my name, you know, but I really, you know, I'm hearing what everybody says, but I mean, and just like the caller from UK said um, that, you know, I am getting very stressed. I mean, I barely sleep three hours a night, you know, and it's, it's, it's really wearing on me for real. I mean, you know, it's just getting really bad and I, you know, have, you know, just want to know what's my next step, you know, without losing my job. And I mean, I'm talking about I have been there over 13 years and, you know, dealing with this and, you know, just letting it go, letting it go. But, you know, that's what I want to say that I have, you know, tried to stop a lot of this stuff. I say, you know, I know that it's in our um, rules that you cannot talk about politics, but we are talking about supervisors that are coming in and doing this. This is not just people um, that's over. I've been a manager before for 35 years, so I know this shouldn't be happening. So, you know, but 
I don't know how to stop it because even when you talk to people that, you know, that are supervisors, they're allowing a human resource that came in and heard this happening and they'll laugh it off. So, you know, this is what's happening there. So thank you. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Roz, were you going to comment, sir? Uh, yes. First, I just would like to say that I'm really, really sorry that you have to continue to go through that sort of um, terrorism on the job. Um, I was thinking, um, Gus, if you can pass along the information for um, Mr. Edward Williams. Um, I know he has an ebook and he has a website that's very constructive regarding um, workplace racism and different ways that we can deal with it. So I'm thinking that would be good to pass along. And also, I just looked up the laws in the state of Alabama regarding recording. And as long as one person is party to the conversation and, and is aware that they're being recorded, which that person would be you, that you're able to record conversations. Um, they have very cheap uh, USB drives you can get. Um, one I have has hold up to 13 hours worth of information, and you can record your entire workday. And it also allows you to cut and cut the um, the, the recording into sections. So if there's, if, you know, if there's things going on, of course, you're going to have time throughout the day where there's downtime and you may, may not be experiencing direct racism. You can cut those sections out, but the sections where they're mistreating you, you can record them, save them, and log them. And I would just start doing that for as long as possible um, to, to accumulate as much information as possible in regards to what you're dealing with. And um, also, I, I would love to reiterate what Stacy said, which was very brilliant. Um, Essentially, you never want to directly accuse white people of being racist because they set up a system in which they protect themselves from being prosecuted for criminal activity, which is what racism is. So it's always great to say, I, I, have, I may have reason to suspect that you might be practicing racism. That way they can never say that you directly accuse them of anything. And you can say, well, based on your behavior, when you did so-and-so or you said so-and-so-and-so, it gave me reason to suspect you might be practicing racism. Um, that way they can, and that's one thing they use against us, which it sounds like that's what happened with the black male that, that you had issues with before. He directly accused them of being racist and you can't accuse the person in power <laughs> of being something mm -hmm. that you know they're being. Whereas if you take it from that indirect approach, they have, they have no, no reason to go forward with anything negative in regards to what you said because you said, hey, I didn't call you a racist. I said, I have reason to suspect based on this behavior and this treatment or this, what you said that you might be practicing racism. So I just wanted to toss that out there, and I do wish you the best, um, and, and please keep us posted on how things are developing on your, on your, um, on your job. Thank you, and I'll meet my line. Appreciate that, Roz. Thomas in New York, are you back with your suggestion? Did you get back with us yet? I reckon not. I'll look out for him uh, before he leaves. I guess for the, the female caller, um, oh, we might have had other callers with a hand up who had suggestions. Uh, did any of the other folks who have a hand up that are with us, my bad if you've had a hand up for a while. Did we have any other suggestions uh, for our female caller in Alabama? Go ahead, sir. Firefighter is yielding the floor. The other male caller who just spoke up. Oh, uh, yes, I, I didn't have suggestions, but I had a couple of uh, scenarios of my own. Uh, but if you, uh, if you want to continue with the suggestions, yeah, I'll just hold for a while. 
Hmm, let's see. Did you have suggestions, firefighter, or did you have your own situation that you were going to share? Uh, I've I've heard uh probably half to three quarters of the uh of the problem, mm-hmm. and it's almost like I can I can feel the uh, the pain and anxiety uh, because I have uh, somewhat saw that on on uh the job that I was on uh from others and uh it seems like that environment is is no one physically you can turn to and am I correct in saying uh to the uh the uh female that uh that she's either the only black person on the job or uh it's very few it's one of the two i can't remember exactly what she said i'm the only black in my department and um in the whole company um is more um males that do the other jobs but in my department it's only me and um Yes, in ma'am. management, I should say, in management. Yeah, and, and I can see because uh, I I have experience with white people, and in a lot of cases, especially environments like that, they don't have no consideration of the quote unquote rules, of the rules and laws as far as that concern. And it sounds like an environment where, <clears throat> excuse me, professionalism is not even uh, doesn't exist. Uh, only only when uh, maybe somebody else from outside the company comes in to visit or something like that, it may do it. And in turn, it leaves an environment that they can mistreat anyone that is not in their, in their uh, 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 social or, or in this case, uh, uh, political uh, uh, thought of consideration at all. Uh, it's a really tough situation. I, I've heard I've heard a lot of good suggestions and uh, uh, beforehand uh, on what to do, and and uh, I I can't say that none of those things are so, all of those things are something that you may might want to consider. Uh, you know, and uh, but I would say if if a job is affecting your personal mental and physical health. Uh, there's a, is there any, any means that where you can transfer to another place? No, um, no, because my mother is sickly here and, um, right. And I'm staying Mm -hmm. here, you know, to help her out and, you know, so, and, you know, just like you were saying, um, in the incident where the other person came in that was higher up, they always make sure that if he comes to where, or anybody comes to where they're going to talk to me, then they're there. They come make sure that they're right there. So if I say anything, it's like a threatening thing. They love to do that too. Yeah, they, it, it, it appears that they're just having they're just having a, a ball of fun time, uh, just like t- 
taking their turns mistreating you on, on a on a collective basis. And uh, uh, to be honest, I, I, I other than what I've heard, I don't have anything new. Uh, but and but if that that situation doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't work out, then maybe it may be a situation where you you have to make a a choice between your your personal health and uh, yeah. and your job. Uh, You're right. I don't know. I don't know for what reason, but it it kind of like reminds me of the of what I perceived the bind that Dr. Francis Quest Welfing was in when it came to as far as you know, her place of, of residence and, and all of that noise and harassment she was getting uh, from that, 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 that quote unquote center uh, uh, where it was just a, you know, bind. And uh, I certainly would want to see uh, hear that happening, you know, to you because you expressed that it is affecting your, your, your health. And uh, wow. That's that's we're on the system of racism and white supremacy. That 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 confirms that you know just reconfirms that over and over to me and and, I, and I'm and I'm pretty sure a lot of the listeners, you know, why it's so vital, not only to to call into places like this, but also to to exchange, is 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 vital, and hopefully maybe even this program and by you calling in is 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 being a help to you. Yes, it is. It is. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I, I have a uh, a workplace uh, situation. Uh, it's actually is more of the uh, in a more uh, uh, plus situation. Uh, can I proceed? Yes, sir. Yes, uh, as a uh, quote unquote football coach. Uh, it's much more, it's much more bigger than, than football itself. Uh, you're dealing with, uh, uh, children that are, uh, teenagers, uh, from mid to late teens. And, uh, and if anyone, any listeners don't realize it's more than just automatically you think it's males, of course for the most part is males. And in my situation, primarily 99% of them are black males, but there also are females. And most of the females that's around the program uh, performing tasks are most of the, most of the people who are f- performing tasks around the football team are females. Uh, they are student trainers uh, uh, for the most part, all of this, all of the training, uh, uh, process and periods uh, uh, that assists the professional trainer that's at the high school uh, females. And uh, they're also a part of the program itself also because they're, they're out there practice every day and working. And, and some of those, uh, some of those students in, end up taking that as a profession, which is very vast on a global level and can, you know, receive, you know, good employment. But anyway, uh, outside of just football itself, uh, in the atmosphere that I've been working in because of the people that I pick and choose to work with, uh, we deal more than just the immediate task, which is in this case, football. 
and the young people end up coming to us for counseling without us even asking. They just see, well, okay, that's an older person, and they have a good they have a good uh, means of of disseminating. Okay, well, Coach So and So, he he might be a person that I can bring this problem to, and in this case, uh, I was basically in in, a, in an office looking down at the uh, players while they were working out during the school day is in a class period and a young lady came came in and uh because she likes one thing i know she likes the idea of how i uh uh say quote unquote hello i basically i say greetings and and so you could tell they they like it because that's all that's every time they see me that's what they that's what they say when they're around me greetings Greetings, coach. Greetings, coach. You know, that sort of thing like that. And uh, so anyway, she comes in and she says, uh, Coach, can I talk to you? I kind of like, you know, almost hesitated because I'm trying to figure out what she wants to talk about. You know, this is a student and a female <laughs> student at that. You know, and uh, but anyway, I, I said, yeah. And she had water in her eyes and she was in tears. Uh, I said, I said to myself, Ooh, I'm, I'm approaching this with an in, in, in trepidation, you know, as far as that concern. So anyway, so I, so she sits down and she explains to me that she, you know, whatever this problem she had and, 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 and she was going to get it solved. And basically the, the quote unquote adult basically kind of like fussed her out. And that's what upset her. That's what upset her. And basically, I just took I just took the uh, the page from workplace racism, you know, from <laughs> and some of the same things that I uh, say on on the program by saying, well, okay, first and foremost, the first thing I said was, did you consult your parent? Did you consult your parent? That that just came to my mind as the first thing. And uh, she said, uh, she said, uh, yes, she did call her mom. I said, well, that's a good thing to do. Is let, the first thing you need to do is let your 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 parent uh, uh, know about this issue. Now, I didn't know who this person was, but after I after we talked a little bit more, I did ask, and I do know the person. Uh, it, w- it was not a white person; it was a non-white person. So, but when I heard that, I basically I said, well, you know, people people have issues and problems also. And a lot of times, unfortunately, uh, uh, because they have a problem, sometimes it it it, it bothers them and it spreads, and uh, uh, you know, to another person. You know, I kind of like broke it down to her like that, and I think she understood. I told her, I said, I am being cautious right now because there's certain things I can't talk to you about, but I think you know what I'm talking about, and she. <laughs> She gave me the idea that she understood that uh, the the on the other realm, as far as racism, white supremacy, the white person, you know, the damages that have done, you know, from uh, their interaction. But she, but uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go through any specifics as far as racism, white supremacy, and I basically mentioned about to this non-white uh, person that uh, she had this uh, this issue with that basically fussed her out. Uh, for asking for something, uh, I basically said, "Well, you know, you, you, you when you come to work and your work is coming to school, that uh, you you uh, have to expect that you're that 
people are going to not always say things in the way that you would like for them to be said. So, you know, kind of like be ready for it. Be ready for it from that standpoint. And you're going to have that. You're going to have that when you go into the more greater workplace after you come out of uh, school. She wants to be a doctor. She, uh, she told me that about a couple of weeks ago, and that she wants to be a doctor, a pediatrician to be exact. And uh, so I kind of equated with that, you know, uh, as far as, you know, uh, what you're going to, what you may have to go through uh, as far as employment. And basically you can see, you can see the, 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 you know, whatever I was saying, perhaps it, I think it was working uh, because she kind of like, you know, told me that she understood, you know, understood what's going on. But uh, that's basically it. I'm just to, just to let anybody know if they didn't know that uh, these are some, some of the typical things that goes on in the quote unquote school environment. And uh, maybe it's something the retired firefighter is doing correctly that uh, young people will come to him. And, uh, 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 and uh, I, I, think according to her that I may have been somewhat of a help. And uh, that's basically all I have to say. Thank you. Huh. Well, right on. That is grand. Uh, you have black people that, I guess black people, period, but especially black children that are willing to reach out something that they're having some trouble with and, and get your advice. That is uh, outstanding. Kudos. And then having some discretion about when and where to talk explicitly about racism. That is definitely something that you'll need on the job for sure. Uh, there was a male caller who dialed in uh, who also had his own incident that he wanted to touch on. Uh, just, I guess, for a final thought with the, the female caller in Alabama, if she's still with us, just uh, I think she had said that she had been working at her job. She had been there for more than 10 years. I think she said about 13 years, which is a long time uh, to be at a place that means, you know, you probably know uh, lots of the folks that work there. A lot of folks know you. Uh, if you've been there, and we've talked about this before as well, if you've been <clears throat> on a job for years, even a year, two years, and you have not been codified, and when I say codified, you haven't been studying white supremacy racism and thinking about what that means and then thinking about <clears throat> having a plan. I'm going to have a specific strategy for what I do in the workplace, meaning I say these things, these things specifically using these precise words. I don't say these things ever. I don't ever use these terms or talk about these things. If this happens, I do this specifically. And if it's this problem, problem A, this is exactly what I do every time that problem A happens, like having those type of precise plans. If you've been on a job and you haven't had any of that, you're just there and having fun and you got white friends, or at least, you know, you don't mind having a joke or two with white people going out to lunch, having some birthday cake, that sort of thing. You're planning to do some trick-or-treating next week with the white folks on the job. And then you switch up and you stop doing that. That can be huge. And it's been my experience. White people notice that sort of thing immediately. And we've had uh, black people who have had huge problems. Just they have been jolly and happy and, and goofing off and messing around. And then it came in the next day, got serious. And man, <laughs> like, what is going on? Have you are you depressed? Have you gone like we've had a lot of that? It can be huge. So I'd be mindful of that. If anything, I would really just work with the name. Uh, you don't have to you know, change your entire behavior. Uh, you don't have to change everything that you're doing 
right now uh, in terms of, of what's happening, I would really just focus on the name because that's that's huge. Uh, and I think that's such a huge symbol of self-respect. I think that's why so many people experience that problem in terms of whites deliberately not pronouncing our names correctly or giving us these little insulting nicknames and all the other things. That's I mean, that's getting really close in terms of who you are. Your parents gave you that handle. Uh, so in my view, it would just be directly to the person every time. This is my name. Please call me that and nothing else. And this is not going to be a joking matter. And I would question. I'm a big advocate of the question thing. It's difficult to get in trouble for asking questions. Uh, is it acceptable for us to make up nicknames about other people? Everybody, who this, whoever the CEO is, the supervisor, we can just go around and make up little nicknames whenever we feel like it for everybody. If that's not the case, why is it just me? That doesn't seem like a whole lot to ask, and particularly if I've been here for a dozen years. I mean, wow, we can't even get my name right after 12 years? Come on. We can. This is small potatoes. I'm not even asking for a bag of potato chips off the company. Just get my name. If I need to wear a badge, I mean, come on. Come on. That's ridiculous. And self-respect, in my view, whites, in my view, they see that. Why, uh, if this is a non-white person... And I can butcher their name and, you know, it's all laughs and giggles and they go along with it or whatever. They can like, oh, OK, we can push a little more and push a little more and push a little more uh, with the person like, oh, OK, they're going to respond. They're not going to just let me. And we've we have had white people come on this program and say that they do that exact thing. They will come in. I think we had a, a white man come on this program and he said as a child that he went to his black teacher and called her by her first name uh, and he did it deliberately. Uh, as an act of racism. And he said that white people, they look to bully black people in these type of situations to see how much they can get away with. Uh, just self-respect with the name and also the sleep thing is really important. Uh, Emmy had talked about that before uh, in terms of us getting quality rest. It's huge. That's something I've struggled with my whole life. If this is bothering you to the point that you're only getting three hours of rest uh, just because of the anxiety around all of this, that is, I mean, catastrophic. I could not imagine uh, functioning uh, with three hours of rest. And particularly if that's something that's happening regularly, because I just can't sleep because I'm thinking about this and worrying about this and going to have to go in tomorrow and deal with the same sort of same sort of thing like that is extraordinarily unhealthy. Uh, I mean, that something would have to change drastically soon uh, in terms of, you know, figuring out some things to make this work situation better because, man, you're, that is horrendous uh, for your body to only be getting three hours of rest on a daily basis. Like, that is major health problem. In my opinion, I'm not a doctor. Uh, the other caller, it was a male caller who chimed in, said you had your own workplace uh, situation that you wanted to share with us as well. Uh, did you want to speak? Yes. Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. Okay, great. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, real quick, I'll, well, first I'll refer to myself as uh, the Northeast victim, so uh, that'll be my handle here. Um, real quick scenarios, uh, I'll try to be brief, but it's been about a good six months I started tuning in, listening to the cows, mainly uh, through the downloadable MP3 uh, files and it's really been helping a lot. So kudos to you Gus and continue on doing what you're doing because it's really helping a lot of people. Um, for me, it's really opened my eyes to you know where at one point, like uh, almost everybody else probably on the call, where you just kind of went along with the white people and you really wasn't trying to cause any trouble, make any waves, and uh, you just kind of tolerated rather than try to counter the racist uh, things that were happening. 
but one of the things that really just kind of dawned on me, and it was almost, I think it was this week that it really just kind of hit me that over time, I, I really start to, to see where you, you really start to see and understand that white people don't really like to see black people succeed. And if you are, if you have the appearance that you are somewhat successful, you've gotten a, a decent position on your job or you're, you know, dressed nice or a decent home or whatever, um, that when people, when white people start to question you and ask you things like, you know, so what do you do for a living? You know, um, I used to think that many times that that was more of a, just a, you know, them being nice, want to have conversation, but man, oh man, what I really started to see and understand that many times they're comparing notes and the thought is, you know, they don't think that you deserve to be where you are or to have what you have, uh, that they should have better than you. And this really came to light when on my job, when we had to reposition and move our offices to a different part of the building. And I ended up uh, getting a, a, a office cubicle that was a little larger space than some of the others and with windows and boy, oh boy, I had people stopping in all the time. Oh, look at church. Oh, you got windows. How did you end up with, and it just happened repeatedly over and over almost every day for at least about a good, you know, three weeks or so uh, to the point where, you know, at first I, I really wasn't sure how to respond. And then when I started to listen more to the cows and I heard, he was nearly full of read some of his book as well. I picked up his book because of things uh, that I heard others mention. I said, I, I got to get this book. Everybody's talking about. So anyway, um, I heard you make reference, Gus, more than once of, you know, in the office, your cubicle there, take, you know, don't have pictures and, and personal things, um, sports, memorabilia, whatever. And so when I moved from my old office to the new location, I took all that stuff down. I didn't have any, no more pictures, no, and that, nothing. So, again, trying to figure out how to respond when people were saying that, I started responding saying, you know what, whatever they give you, they can take it away. So it's no big deal to me, you know. And the response is really, kind of, I think it kind of shocked people that I kind of responded that way and not really kind of playing into their, you know, questioning and, and all the, the shenanigans they're going through and making a big deal about, you know, me having windows. But again, uh, it, it happened again when I was, you know, I uh, went to one of my daughter's games and then there were some uh, others, uh, parents there. And one of the white ladies asked me, because I you know, dressed kind of a business casual with our attire and just kind of out of the blue, uh, so what do you do? You know, what kind of work do you do? And it struck me at that point, I was like, you know, and I answered, but it wasn't until a little bit later. It's like, yeah, she really wasn't asking just to be casual and be friendly. She's comparing notes, <laughs> you know, and kind of trying to be nosy and try to really find out, hey, as a black person, uh, you know, do you really, should you be who you are, where you are, and have a position that you do and whatever else? But that was, again, one of my quick scenarios of uh, with workplace on my job. I'm going to switch gears and and bring it to the schools now. Um, I was the one that called in, uh, I wrote in a while back, about a month ago, about um, some of the racist jokes and all that were said in schools to the kids. And my, my children, my 
daughters were begging me really not to make a big issue of it, to to uh, talk to Prince for anything about it. They just, you know, rather be just kind of stay out of it. So I really kind of stayed out of it and still kind of questioned my children to kind of, you know, kind of monitor the scenario, what's going on. Um, and again, because it's children at school, that's their workplace, right? So, so here we go. As things, as time has has transpired, and and, and weeks have gone by. Um, something happened this week where supposedly someone hacked into uh, a teacher's email, a white teacher's email, and sent an email to that teacher and all the faculty and all the students a very racist email degrading black people uh, saying really negative, nasty things about black people. And, you know, again, that happened. And then the principal, I was, I was like seconds away from calling the principal after my daughter, you know, sent me a text and showed it to me. I was, I was floored, you know? Uh, so I was on my way leaving, getting ready to call, and that's when I noticed that the principal had sent a, a, a voice message out to all the parents uh, to say, this is what happened at school. We're going to get to the bottom of this. We got the police involved and so on and so forth. Long story short, I had emailed the guidance counselor, um, the social worker, and quite a few other counselors that's on the the school roster there. Also emailed the principal. My wife emailed the principal to try to get some more clarity on what's going on, how we move forward from this. And you had Dr. I believe, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, Raytheon that was on the other night. Um, I got some tips from him when I believe you asked him a question about uh, how should parents deal with some of the things. And, and you made reference to the video that was going viral on Twitter of the middle school kids with the football team and so on. So I used what you were saying as well as what the Dutch were saying about gathering up other uh, 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 other parents and then demanding and having timelines to say we need answers or give us something by you know a timeline. So I used that in my email to say I need a timeline of some answers. We need some answers. There's an investigation that's going on. Uh, as parents, we need to be informed and and I try to phrase things so that it's not just that I'm concerned about my kids, but I said, you know, about all the kids in the school. So now I'm on their side, you know, because it's not just me, my kids that I'm talking about. Uh, when we start referring to all, now they look at, you know, I, I interpret from the conversation that they really wanted me to be a part of some of the ongoing conversations. So the, the, principal emailed me saying, yes, we've got a auxiliary type uh, meeting uh, that we'll have with the PFO after the PFO meeting, PTA type meeting. We're going to, we want to have some more discussions and so on. So I wanted to give a quick update concerning this at school, what happened. And again, some of the strategies that I, I heard from your guests, from you guys, uh, being able to apply that and, and again, now they want me to be part of this conversation that's going to um, continue with parents and, and faculty. And I'm open to suggestions of if anyone knows some of the strategies, some effective strategies that we could implement or I could bring up to say, hey, here's how we deal with some of the, or we could deal with some of these racial things that's happening in school. And another quick thing, Gus, that you, that you had mentioned 
about using the examples from other uh, places that you heard. And so I said that in the conversation when I talked with the guys council the other day. I said, hey, just this year over in California, there was uh, a group of kids that had a, a nigger kill list, you know. And, you know, again, I used that as an example. And also I said that um, from what studies have shown and, and reports have been made that since last year, there's been a spike of, of racial um, hate crimes in schools and schools. And so once I said that, she says, well, yeah, it's been happening for many years. I said, no, no, no. Reports have shown that over the last year, that the uh, a number of a serious number of, of incidents has spiked over the last year in schools. And um, so again, using some of the things that I'm hearing on the cows, the things that your guests bring up, strategies, I'm able to implement that and start to, again, see some results. And again, I'm also open if anyone knows some things, strategies that we could bring to the school and say, here's how we deal with race problems in schools. Here's how we nip it in the bud. Um, any thoughts, questions? Uh, I'm, I'm open to uh, any thoughts, questions there. But thanks for taking my call, today, Gus. Thank you for sharing. Appreciate that. Um, I guess really quick with the workplace situation that you mentioned uh, in terms of whites uh, coming in to express their contempt and I guess uh, faux uh, happiness or joy that you got this nice office with windows. Uh, we said that consistently whites, they are never going to celebrate your quote unquote uh, success. Uh, and if it, if it's anything, and how did this nigga end up with a window office? You know, did he steal the windows? I mean, that's his, and that's another reminder in terms of why I encourage uh, non-white people that possessive adjective, my, this is not my office. My name is not on the lease. Uh, I'm just hanging out here. Uh, I'm a squatter almost, you know, that's the way I would talk to them. Like, get out of here. Uh, and even, even thinking uh, that way. And we should make sure we don't think that way either because whites can, they can show you better than I can tell you for sure uh, on who owns that job, that office, that chair, all of it. Uh, and I think they have shown a lot of black people that, uh, you know, and saying, Oh, you're not going to have this office anymore. In fact, you're not even going to have this job anymore. And I think the caller in Alabama just talked about escorting black people out of the building. Lots of that uh, with the child or school uh, incident. Great job incorporating uh, other data and word usage and trying to get specific timelines. Definitely keep us updated on what happens there. If they have the email, I would love to see it. If you get the actual email, I don't know if they sent it to you or what have you, but uh, if that's released, it would be great to get it unredacted, uncensored to see exactly uh, what was reported. And if possible, I would love to get a forward uh, of that so I can see exactly what was uh, written. <clears throat> I am not a parent. So on the school portion, uh, I will hush because it does sound like you're doing uh, grand work. If listeners have any uh, thoughts or suggestions on the school portion or the work portion of what was just shared, or if you have your own commentary you wanted to offer, uh, line should be open. Proceed. Yes, uh, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yeah, this is David in Florida. Um, I can hear the heaviness in the young lady's voice. And um, I just want to say that um, when she leaves the house, that she needs to have her armor, and her armor is the code, is a code. 
Um, sounds like she's coming home every day wounded simply because she doesn't have a code of conduct when she um, enters the workplace. What I've done when I when I look for a job, I go into a job like if I'm, I'm entering a relationship and um, in looking for work and in going into a job, how I start is how I finish. So I don't go into the into a, a relationship looking to get hurt. Um, this 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 young lady sounds like she's in a um, in a relationship that's gone bad, and she either needs to leave it or figure out a way how she can unpack how she begun in the relationship or begun working at the job. And um, and that's all I have to say. I wish her the best. And um, I want to thank you, Gus, and all the callers, I mean, all the listeners, for their input. You guys have helped me a lot, tremendously. And um, that's all I have to say. Thank you. Yes, sir. Appreciate thank that. Uh, the caller at 1989, 1989, if you have commentary, you should be with us. Last four digits, one nine eight nine. Oh, yes, yes, Gus. I'm sorry. Uh, this is Jenna Kepra. How are you doing tonight, Gus? Right poorly. Good to hear from you, sir. <laughs> uh, I don't necessarily have a a, a workplace uh, racism story, but uh, I took off from work here recently, and. Uh, me and my wife, we, we went on a date that, that was long overdue. And she took me, because I just had a birthday recently, and she took me to get a massage. And uh, the massage I, that was given to me was by was by a white woman. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like going to a doctor's visit to where they ask you uh, where your tension is, uh, what medications and and what have you you've been taking and i and I thought I don't take any uh medications, but i had <clears throat> excuse me I had done been through uh three wrecks recently so but I have five children, so I can't just stop and and do what most people i guess when I say most people, I mean just anybody with money can just take time to get re reconstructed, I guess that's how you would term it. Be able to get adjusted and, and massaged and all of these things. So and the first thing that came out of this white woman's mouth is that, well I guess that you have you have a higher sense of tolerance. So I, I started to I started to uh combat that scenario right then but just be honest i I really needed the massage so i i explained that no it's not that i don't have a i don't have a high tolerance for pain i just have children and i don't have any time to address some of the stuff so my body adjusts the way that my mind does that was the first thing and I'm 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 a person of small stature. I'm about five eleven and a half, six feet, 
even maybe if I have my shoes on. So I'm not a big person at all. So while I'm getting the massage, through the massage, she's talking to me, and I notice that I'm getting um, I'm getting extra touches other than my hand, other than her hand that's that's touching my body. So first thing come to my mind is is a, a delectable Negro type of scenario to where she's absorbing the tension that I have in a sexual way because she's running her hands down my body and and talking to me meanwhile. And like I stated, other parts of her body other than her hands are constantly touching me. Now, I'm not used to massages, so I'm wondering, is this something that's normal or was it exactly what I'm thinking it was? It was a delectable Negro type of scenario to where she enjoyed the massage a little more than I did because after the massage was over, uh, she told me that I needed that. She couldn't wait. She couldn't wait till uh, I came back. So that's all I had, Gus. I appreciate you taking my call. Hmm. I was waiting. I don't know what that has to do with workplace racism, uh, but. Hopefully, we will stay on task for the last 20 minutes. Uh, it certainly could have been. I have had a massage before, but never from a white person. Uh, that is kind of why I've <laughs> not done so. But uh, it certainly could have been. I don't uh, I, I don't really have a ready-made explanation in terms of the extra sensation. Uh, it, it You know, if that's the feeling that you had about it, and she had already made some questionable remarks anyway before the procedure got started uh, about you having a higher pain tolerance, which is kind of a cliche, in my opinion, uh, at least a cliche form of white supremacy where somehow white people think that black people just, you know, pain just doesn't register. You can beat on them all day long and they barely even feel it. Um, it, it could have been uh, exactly what you're you're saying, but you, in fact, you would be the one who would know better than anyone. You were there, you experienced it. So I would just say, trust your judgment. Uh, and that's why I've not gotten a massage from a white person. Uh, do we have other folks in terms of workplace racism commentary? Uh, do other folks uh, have anything else they wanted to get in, either suggestions or your own comments before we uh, wrap? Oh, Thomas in New York is back with us. Did you want to get your comment in to call her in Alabama? Oh, yes, I did. Thank you, Gus. Man. I had to fund the tunnel, but I'm in Jersey now, under the plantation, looking at it. Listen, I didn't have to go in it. Um, yeah, um, questions. I think you kind of hit on it before I lost the signal. Uh, you said everything I was pretty much going to say. Get into the, the, the mode of asking questions and ask questions that are, um, and word them very well, but ask questions in a way that they'll have to answer questions that you know white people don't want to answer, like about racism. You know, why, why all black people are Democrat? I don't know. Why do they vote Democrat? You know, what do you think is the reason? that all black people vote Democrat. Have the Republicans done good for the black community? Uh, have the Democrats? I, I, I vote neither. But um, just, just ask the questions. And I trust me, if you ask questions that make them have to talk about racism, they will stop asking you questions instantly. Um, as far as the name, um, yeah, I, I've, man, I, I'm a Tom, a Tommy, I'm everything. I stop people say Thomas. Um, next time they call me out my name, I don't answer them. 
I don't care if it's my boss or whomever. And um, generally, after being ignored, if they they don't call me by my name, or they might, you know, come up and tap me, hey, I've been calling you. I'd be like, no, you weren't calling me. You were calling someone else. My name is Thomas, and they'll apologize normally or or chuckle. And then after that, um, they they will go back and call me Thomas. Um, but that's all I had to say. Uh, as far as the guy who was just talking about the school system, um, uh, you'll never, ever, ever, ever be able to change the public school system or any school system that's ran by white supremacists in their system. Uh, area um, two is education. Uh, the key is to get out of their educational system if you have the chance to. Start your own school if you can, uh, but that's the only way you're going to be able to change that because it's written in the curriculum, and it's um, it's just everywhere in that school system. Um, just like I'm in the hospital, it's everywhere in the hospital, every section. Um, if you know what to look for, if you listen to the cows, you'll know what to look for. You'll see it in every department. So um, don't expect to be able to change the school system. And I'm doing my line. Thank you. Uh, did we miss anybody? Appreciate that, Thomas in New York. Did we miss anybody completely? Anybody have a hand up that we have not heard from at all? Yes, sir. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, thank you very much, sir. Um, greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Uh, I wanted to start out with, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but uh, like I noticed that there have been uh, people who I would visibly um, categorize as non-white have uh, been exed out as a, a white person on their um, sworn complaints or uh, arrest reports. I think that's something that I believe an officer would have to um, do in regards to filling out, I guess, uh, a description of a person and the four classifications are white, black, Asian, and other, I believe. So, yeah, I, I've noticed that trend of people who are um, just as melanated as I am are being uh, checked off as white, but sometimes it, it does change to other and then sometimes it's black but most of the time it's white uh, but it's only those four classifications for that but when it comes to if someone wants a marriage license they seem to want to uh, uh, they seem to have no direct certainty as to what they want to choose when they're in the um, the session when they're applying for their license. Uh, so it's a lot more selections when they want to get married in regards to the classifications than when they have a sworn complaint. How are you doing today? I'm okay. Sorry about that. All right. Uh, and the, the next thing I wanted to point out was there was a conversation that was taking place between a... Uh, a, a white woman, and I don't know if this person is white, but most likely I would say she's not. Um, and I guess the guy that she's dating, 
they was talking about Halloween coming up. So she said that her boyfriend recommended that he uh, be a border a border patrol and she be a Mexican with a mustache. So <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she said, uh, "I can't be." <laughs> I can't be no, you know, no Mexican or whatever, and at least make me a a, a female. So you know, I thought that was um, very profound, um, and I just thought that I just had a sense that she was undergoing an experience and um, very sharp racism in a way, but I guess you know being with this person for so long, she just, uh, I guess that term, uh, masochism, racial masochism, you know, just enjoy the abuse uh, victim. So, uh, yeah, you know, but it seemed like she was embracing it in a way when she was talking to the white person. And, you know, like, I think they was trying to see if I would give a, a reaction but, you know, I was just focusing on my work. And that's just one of those conversations that I caught, you know, with the headphone in one ear and the other ear is free to just hear anything, you know, idle conversation. Um, and, like, there was another thing where, you know, uh, there was a conversation about, you know, all of the, the Nazi marches that was outside you know, downtown and the um, the Richard Spencer debacle. And they, uh, they were saying, yeah, you know, uh, man, they really shout him down. And, and I just said, you know, when they said, they asked me and I just said that I didn't think it was constructive. So <laughs> they said, what, well, you know, what do you mean? I just said, hey, well, you know, if somebody called up, on the phone and you trying to conduct a conversation where well, you want somebody to scream over you, you know, you trying to sell a, uh, a copy or something. And they said, you know what? You have a good point. I never thought about it that way. So, you know, they never asked me anything else about it. Um, and one last one was that there was a, uh, there was a, a conversation occurring on the, the uh, front counter and I was trying to get, money from the cashier to go buy me something to eat. So um, in order to get it from the card, the debit card, you know, they got to ask me all these questions and whatnot. So, um, you know, I said, you know, I need, or, you know, I wanted $20 off of the card. So this, <laughs> this, uh, this uh, white woman, she was, you know, conducting a conversation with another white woman. So, uh she looks back and they said, you know, well, uh, what's your, your zip code? You know, what's this and what's that? So after she asked me about the zip code, right, the other, the, the, the white woman that was looking through the, the window where she's, um, like she's talking to this other person and she says, uh, quote unquote, we are going to confine you, like confinement. She says, we're going to confine you. So, and she was smiling. Um, so I guess, you know, that, that thing where, you know, you got a black person in the interrogation room and 
this is the average white person, I guess, uh, symbolically trying to, well, not really trying, but showcasing her power and saying that she is law enforcement. And I, I know that term race soldier has been used. So that's another example for that. She was um, basically saying that she's an admitted race soldier. So um, those are my examples of workplace racism for the week. And thanks, uh, thanks for allowing me to share. I had forgotten Halloween was coming up next week uh, since I do not participate in the horror days. But man, oh man, the tackiness abounds in association with the holidays. Great reminder right there. Uh, And I would be prepared, I guess, to get those reminders out if you work in a job place, if you work in a in a in a job type setting where people are going to be dressing up or might have an expectation that you dress up or have some candy out or whatever it is, you know, have your code for how you're going to deal with that as well. And just be prepared. Cause that's another one that you can predictably expect. Uh, if you have some white coworkers, they might, uh, if, if you're a black person, you work with them, they might decide that they're going to dress up as you, uh, or I'm going to dress up as president Obama or Michelle Obama, anything, uh, tacky, just already be prepped for that. Uh, over the next coming days. Uh, the situation about the racial classifications I found fascinating uh, in terms of who's, who is the person that's, I guess, marking these. It sounded like this was maybe something with enforcement officers were doing. Uh, who's the one that's marking the racial classification to begin with in terms of how, how these classifications are going down with someone who's the skin color of, you know, Lupita Nyong'o is getting classified as white. And then who is the person that's coming by and doing the corrections on some of these where it's, oh, oh no, they made a mistake. This is, you know, supposed to be in the, the black box or what have you like what that's, you know, that's important. I do pay attention to racial classification, things dealing with that. That's something I'd be just curious about who makes these changes, who's doing the classifying and what have you. And that's that's even an interesting observation about there being more, uh, I guess, choices for racial classifications on the marriage form than the arrest or whatever that is i mean if these are all legal documents even that why i mean why wouldn't it be uniform why wouldn't it be the same uh choices on all of the state issued documents get them at the same place uh the oh the last incident yeah the last one that standing in for me that's just further enforcement that white people are not ignorant about racism uh that consistently these type of situations something that small i'm just trying to get lunch you know run across the street i'm not trying to embezzle fifty thousand dollars uh just a couple bills so that i can go and get lunch and now this has turned into an interrogation it's always some way well i am black people are being criminalized uh it's always some way and you are supposed to be the enforcer uh to bring in righteousness you know get these no good negro villains uh get them in check uh it's that way consistently and the criminalization i think you had mentioned uh the last two weeks those metaphors i don't know if it was the same person who was operating the window but last week when it was the metaphor about you being an abuser and i think before where it's criminalizing criminalizing (laughs) you somehow being treated as some sort of uh some sort of bandit some sort of hoodlum uh and that's the way that we should be thinking about regardless of what the the exchange or interaction is uh did other folks who who had commentary if we missed anybody uh we are got about five six minutes left in the broadcast the caller uh caller at eight seven oh four eight seven oh four did you have commentary may i be heard yes sir 
Um, yeah, it's my first time calling in, so I'm kind of nervous. But I have, like, two scenarios. I- I'm a mixed brother. I'm half white, half black. And my girlfriend, she's full black. She's half Jamaican, half American black. And I guess, first off, my first situation would be at my job. It- it's family-owned. And I currently have a couple felonies, so I kind of have to stay stuck at where I'm at. And I believe I experience workplace racism. And I guess my first question would be, how do you identify workplace racism? And are you sure it is workplace racism and not just you in your mind? And I guess at the point where I decided it was workplace racism was I've been working here for two years. And I went to school for what I do, and um, I've been there for two years. And um, my boss, he was there for way longer than me, but he ended up dying. And we ended up getting a new guy who was there for like six months. And I guess for whatever reason, um, the bosses decided that this new guy had only been at the job for six months, um, new to the whole thing. that I, I work at a plant nursery, so it's the first time he's been around plants. Um, first, uh, only six months on the job, and um, I guess they gave him my boss's position, and I felt like I should have got the position. So um, they had me, like, help out this guy and tell me to tell him more about plants, and just the whole time, I'm just like, what, why Why am I helping him out when I know more than him? I've been there more. I've been there longer. And then come to find out, this guy, I guess they, they approached this guy and gave him the promotion, I guess I would call promotion because he got the position I wanted. But, um, yeah, come to find out, they told this guy um, he'd be getting a raise and he'd be doing a lot more stuff, but I guess they didn't give him the raise. So, like, two months down the line, he comes up and talks to me and tells me how he's going to quit. And this is a non-white, or this is a white male who did get the position I wanted. And he talks to me and he tells me, hey, James, um... Um, what did he say? Yeah, he said, I- I'm going to be leaving because they told me I was going to get a promotion. They haven't gave it to me, and I'm just going to be leaving. It's not a good job. And I guess at that point, I'm just realizing that they approached him for the position, and I'm just wondering why and what have I been doing that they didn't have an approach to me, and it's just kind of confusing. And he ended up just quitting, and once he quit, they still kept coming up to me like, hey, we need you to cover this guy's area until we find a replacement. And I just got real frustrated to the point I was going to quit. So I told them when the ne- the very next time they told me, hey, we're going to have you cover this guy's shift. Um, we still haven't found anybody. And it's already been a- almost a month now. I've been covering this guy's shift while doing my own work. And then I just kind of I-, I sat down the HR person. I had a conversation with her. And I told her, why, why am I doing all this work? Why can't I be the new the new guy? The, it's a rose guy. He takes care of a lot of roses. I was like, I, I've been to school for the soil class. I've been to school for plants. I've been here two years. Why can't it be me? And through more discussion, she ended up giving me the position. I'm now in that position. Um, so I still believe there's workplace racism on the job site. Uh, oh, yeah, and that was the thing. The previous white male, the one that quit, he had said to me, and I, I just forgot, but I remembered right now. He told me, which I found interesting, coming from a white male, but he had told me, he said, um, he said, James, I'm leaving, but I believe, I believe there's a lot of racism at this job. 
And I smiled and I said, I agree. And his response to that was, he says, I believe there's racism at the job, but I don't know. I don't know if they even know that they are racist. And I found that real interesting that he would say something like that. So he ended up quitting, and that's my story. I guess the second story I have is more something I'm more concerned about because it's my girlfriend, but she works at a Starbucks, and she's been there about a year. And so far I've seen two uh, younger Latina chicks get promoted to the shift position, which is, I think, like supervisor or a step under the manager, but not really manager. And since my girlfriend's been working there, she's been getting compliments on how much she knows. And before she started working there, um, she took like training classes to do what she does. And everybody's telling her she's doing a good job. But every time um, a shift, the shift position opens up, the managers always give her like a reason why she wasn't chosen. Like, oh, she has an attitude or, oh, uh, she's mean to the customers or, oh, she hasn't, like, done this little project that they give her. I'm not sure, but it seems like every time she has the opportunity to be promoted, they always give her, like, some little... For me, I feel like it's something that doesn't have nothing to do with the promotion, so I feel like it's an excuse. And then later down the line, it's some Latina. I mean, I'm not trying to say nothing, but all the girls that have been promoted above her have been Latina. And I really... I, I told my girlfriend, I told her, Kind of what I did is approach the main manager and ask the main manager, what does she have to do as a person to be promoted as shift? And everything that she would give my girlfriend, I'd say, just do it, take care of it, and wait till she has nothing else to tell you. And if she has nothing else to tell you and they still won't promote you, then call corporate and take it a step further. But that's all I had to tell my girlfriend. I didn't really have anything else, any other advice to tell her. but. I guess my two main questions would be, how do you for sure identify workplace racism? And what's a way to guarantee promotion when you feel you're in the right? And that'll be all. Right on. Uh, First time caller. Outstanding. Um, uh, For the first question, um, I do not try to prove racism to anybody else. Uh, so that they say, so that they come to the conclusion like, oh yeah, this is racism. Absolutely, Gus, I agree. I don't make an effort to do that with anybody, white or non-white. It's been my experience that generally you're not going to be able to convince a white person uh, that it's racism. That's how they practice uh, racism. I don't try to convince non-white people either. Uh, I really just focus about myself uh, and being satisfied that, you know, I have seen enough, I've gathered enough evidence Uh, to conclude that what I think is happening here is that racism, white supremacy is being practiced. Uh, And that's what I would encourage, you know, any non-white person. That's the way that we should function. You're not concerned so much about proving it to another white person or really anybody else, just to yourself. And I think most people, uh, you can just evaluate the evidence. You can look at at what's happened. uh, And it sounds like just walking through uh, the situation, in addition to having someone else also come in and corroborate, yes, racism is being practiced here. You can just look at the evidence uh, in terms of, Who's getting promoted here? Is this person qualified for this promotion? Oh, okay, he's not. Looks like a white person might be uh, a white person being promoted for a job that they might not even be able to do. Do you have non-white people present who are qualified for the job? Yes, yourself being one. 
Why were they not promoted? Is this a staple, almost cliche way that racism, white supremacy is practiced? Yeah, I mean, not rocket science. Uh, I would say I think a lot of times we just get encouraged uh, by white people directly, indirectly to doubt ourselves uh, about these sort of things and to question ourselves and say, oh, no, it's not racism. It's something else. It's, you know, you didn't have the correct shoes or you're, hey, you got felonies. It's not racism. You got felonies when. Uh, In my view, I've seen where white people, even with criminal records, still are treated better than black people. Uh, To the second question, as long as a system of white supremacy exists, I am not sure that there's any way you can guarantee that a black person or a non-white person is going to get a promotion. Uh, I think we had a caller who wrote in with some tips about ways that you can strengthen, uh, that you can increase the likelihood that you get a promotion. And I think even some of your suggestions about ask directly, hey, supervisor, what do I need to do so that I can get this promotion here Uh, and get a list and then do those things exactly. Uh, That's a lot of times that would be helpful. Now, if they're practicing racism, white supremacy, as the suspicion seems to be, and they're just getting non-black people, even non-black, non-white people who might be, quote unquote, Latina, uh, to promote them, black get back, and we're just not going to promote the darker people, that could be what's happening, Uh, in which case you would just want to document who's getting promoted, if they have scores, uh, if they're saying, oh, it's because you were rude to customers, and so we're going to knock you down on your hospitality or However, they do the scoring system, that would be something else in terms of getting evidence, documenting to show that there's a pattern of them doing this sort of thing uh, that might not be if this is a barista Starbucks type thing. I, I suspect that might not be a long term career path. So, you know, that might not be feasible for a job that you don't you know, it's not like you see most people, I don't think, would take that job thinking I'm going to be here for the next five years and see if I can move up the Starbucks ladder. Uh, but at least in the immediacy. I would follow your advice. I would document. I would try and get as much information about that process of who gets promoted uh, in terms of what's that process, how they do the selection, get as much detail as I can uh, and to get as much feedback as possible. If they're still saying that, oh, it's a customer service problem where you're not cheery enough in dealing with folks or whatever other issues they're saying, this is this is the impediment to you getting this promotion. Get that as explicit as possible. And then I would just go to work trying to, you know, make sure that that's no longer an excuse uh, to figure out what's stopping it. But it seems like it could just be racism. Uh, we have done our three hours. Uh, if folks have any commentary they would like to write in in terms of promotion, because it seems like that did come up quite a few times on the broadcast. If folks have any other tips that are helpful to making sure a black person or at least to improve your chances of getting a promotion, man, that would be super helpful. You can drop us an email until justice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com. Uh, and just, I would reiterate again for the job. Uh, I do not recommend, uh, in a workplace setting, accusing white people of practicing racism. It's been my experience. White people do very well, uh, deflecting that charge, uh, pretty much with what the caller was just talking about. They end up being the ones with the power to decide, oh yeah, this is an act of racism or no, it isn't. Uh, frequently if it's a black person and you're just saying, oh, I think this is racist or this person is racist. A lot of times they will get you in trouble and say, you're making a false charge. And they might even come back and say, you are being racist for throwing around allegations like that. Uh, So I would not make it about uh, racism or charging racism. I would just go with there is something incorrect happening and then go directly to the problem. Uh, And then later on, in terms of 
what might have motivated all this. If you need to get to that uh, as a suspicion, perhaps, but I would really just focus on getting at the problem, uh, whatever it is, if it's, you know, scheduling, promotion, raise, whatever issue directly in terms of the mistreatment, getting that stopped as opposed to branding someone as racist or a particular workplace situation as racist. That's it. Uh, we will be here uh, mañana, Friday evening, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Crazy talk, stupid talk. Neil Postman's book, I am enjoying. Great, great, in my view, suggestions and things to pay, uh, just pay attention to with regards to use of words uh, and how incorrect use of words can cause a lot of problems and even just paying attention to some of the racist speech uh, that is frequently put together, but that'll be tomorrow, normal time. And we'll be here. Matter of fact, we'll be here every day until Sunday. We'll be here on Saturday for the compensatory call in at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. We'll catch up on what's going down the last seven days. And then Sunday, John Patash, uh, his third visit on the program. He wrote the book, The FBI War Against Tupac Shakur and Black Leaders. He also wrote the book, Drugs as a Weapon Against Us. He was on the program last spring. He'll be back with us. I thought it would be great to visit with him again in light of the FBI reports that came out early this month about the black identity extremists. I thought he would have a great perspective on that. So he'll be with us Sunday, normal time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, if you have guest suggestions, if you can't find something in the archives, uh, if you just have a question, gripe, complaint, drop an email until justice at gmail.com. Thanks all for tuning into the broadcast. Hope it was worthy of your Thursday evening. Uh, hope you got some constructive info and we'll do it again next Thursday for workplace racism. Uh, I again recommend sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. Uh, I do not think being intoxicated workplace or no uh, is going to help us solve our problems. Uh, Dr. Welsing and many of the other folks that we esteem, I think they would strongly encourage us to remain sober. Let's do everything we can to take care of our brain computer so that we can crank out solutions to the problem. Racist man, racist woman, racist child. Uh, and let's do everything we can to get quality, adequate rest. Uh, just echoing in my mind, three hours of sleep is not enough uh, and is probably going to get you in poor health soon. Uh, let's really make sure that we're doing the best that we can to try to take care of ourselves in an extremely toxic environment saturated with white supremacy. Uh, that's it. Creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, What's your brother. Problem? You're a victim. Right. I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs> Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Oh, oh, oh,